This super special episode of the Morning Skate is brought to you by Heated Core. Heated Core! Um, if you guys head over to their website uh, and use promo code MORNINGSKATE15, you save 15%. Heated Core is essentially a heated core long sleeve shirt or heated core pant that you put on. It's battery operated, so when you're cold, you turn that puppy on. It's good for up to six hours. You can charge your phone. There's so many different things that you guys can do with it. It's, it's a no-brainer, um, and you save pretty decent amount of change using our little promo code. So again, head over heatedcore.com, uh, promo code MORNINGSKATE15. Save all the money. This is what we do for you. You know, we're the man of the people. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast, and we will talk to you guys soon. Welcome to a special edition of the Morning Skate. We are talking Texas hockey tonight. Uh, it's your host, Brownie, with uh, a fill-in co-host, my boy, Fink. All the way sorry, Ked. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Ked. And we are joined by uh, 20 years with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. You are Mr. Texas and when it comes to journalism, from what I've seen. Rangers, Mavericks, Cowboys, and the Stars, as well as every major college in Texas. The Angle Angle podcast, oh, thank you. adjunct professorships, <laughs> top sports columnist in Texas two times, and a 2023 top columnist in the nation by AP Sports Editors. We are honored to be joined oh. with, as it says on the screen, 1995 Hart Trophy <laughs> finalist, <laughs> Mac Angle. Mac, welcome to the pod. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me on. I, I sincerely appreciate it. When you, uh, when you reached out to me, I about fell over. Uh, yeah. So thanks a lot. I mean, no, I really, no, I was shocked. So thanks a lot for it was great. I, well, that was a really nice intro too. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Well, let's let's jump right into it. The reason we we reached out or I reached out was in the aftermath of when Jamie Ben lost his mind briefly uh, <laughs> with the cross check on Stone. You wrote the column saying that Pavelski deserved the C, mm-hmm. and. I thought it was great. I thought it was a, uh, I mean, it's a hard line to take, obviously, it right? Is. Yeah, it is. And, and, but I understood it from, uh, from your perspective and from a, a fan's perspective and, a, and someone who, uh, again, we didn't play at the major league level, you know, any of us, but you were on a team and you got to stand up and, and answer for your actions. And he did not. So, yeah, let's jump into it. Uh, quite, literally, well, would... quite literally, he did not speak for his actions. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so I, there's like a this is a long answer so i think sometimes media members we take ourselves too seriously and i've been guilty of it uh, now i'm 49 like who cares I'm, I'm more excited about being live than anything else but i do sometimes think we get so wrapped up and why why didn't he talk to us so i asked a while back i watched it i walked uh, i talked to an nba player an old nba player he was a, he was a reserve player his name was marie sevens and this was during the Memphis Grizzlies series. When remember when Dylan Brooks was running his mouth, and Dylan Brooks was talking crap on LeBron. And then when they lost, he didn't talk to the media. Right. Like, uh, this is a pretty bad. Yeah. And I think John Morant blew him off too after they lost to the Lakers, and it was a bad look. So I asked Mo Evans. I said, "Is it really a big deal? Like in a locker room? I know NBA is not NHL." So I asked him. I said, "Is this really a big deal if they don't talk to the media?" And the guy was like, no, not really. And he said, really, 
you know, he's a young kid. His agent should have stepped in and said, listen, this is what you need to do. But he didn't. And all of it was sound, rational thinking and logical. Like you can understand it from a young person's perspective. But the reality of it is in an NBA locker room, maybe maybe talking to a guy like me is not a big deal. Maybe yeah. it's not. In the locker room, which is what matters. And usually one thing I learned later is that the issues that sometimes a person like myself would construe as a big deal is not. It's the stuff that you don't see that is, that, that tears locker rooms apart. Um, issues between girlfriends, issues between wives. I remember covering a team one time where wives literally drove that team apart. Um, that, it's stuff like that, it's stuff that you wouldn't see. Whether or not a guy addresses whether he did what he did on the ice or maybe you know in a bar afterwards, whatever else, like to the media, man, that maybe not. But I but in hockey, hockey is different. And sometimes to its own detriment, right? Sometimes hockey culture gets in the way. God, I've heard this for 20 years. I've heard team presidents bitch about this. I hope that it's okay if I said that. Oh, say whatever I've heard, yeah. Let it fly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard team presidents whine about hockey culture forever, that the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on yeah. the back, and they can't promote superstars, and coaches get in the way, and GMs get in the way of promoting individuals, which is one of the biggest ways the NBA got to be as big as it did is that they promoted superstars and highlights and amazing plays. Personalities, like yeah. Personalities. And hockey, it's all about team, team, team. You know, like, brother, this is about selling tickets and moving widgets. Yeah. And so in, in the hockey locker room, the C is a big deal. So I remember I was covering the Stars, and I was covering the Stars as a beat writer when they had made Mike Madonna the captain, Darian Hatcher, who was a revered captain, even though he wasn't the most verbal guy, but he was responsible and he was a captain. Yep. There was an issue that needed to be taken care of on the ice. He would take care of it. Yep. Somebody need to stand up and say something. He would do it. And that man commanded a lot of respect. So he leaves the stars and signs, signs as a, uh, signs as a free agent with the red wings. And the stars are like, well, who can we get the captaincy to? Well, we're going to give it to Mike Madonna. I love Mike Madonna. I love Mike Madonna. Mike, I was, I, I, even if even if you gave me the words to say something bad about Mike Madonna, I would, would say them. I, I love the guy. He's just decent, kind, humble. He doesn't know how to say no. And unfortunately for Mike, he really wasn't made to to wear the C in the traditional sense. But they were like, we have to, right? It's Mike Madonna. Right. They gave it to him, and it just wasn't his personality. He won the A forever, but he hadn't won the C. They gave it to him. And it clearly wasn't working. Right. Was it the reason? Now, now this is the part that bothered me. Was it the reason why Mike Madonna won the C? Was that the reason why the Stars had advanced, you know, deep into the playoffs again? No, it wasn't. Right. That, that, was, that was just a there was They were looking for a reason. They were looking for something to blame it on. And everybody knew. Everybody knew. If you were going to give a captaincy, in the traditional sense, to somebody in that locker room, it wasn't going to be Mike Badano. It's going to be Brendan Morrow, right? Classic Western Canadian male, the guy who would totally, yeah, totally, not as talented as Mike in 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 any sense, but man, a worker to the end and a pro. So they so that Doug Armstrong tells Dave Tippett, "Hey, go tell Mike Madonna we're going to give the C to Morrow." So he does. 
Yeah. And everybody felt bad for Dave. Be like, okay, shit rolls downhill. So he yeah. Did it. And no one would have made that any easier than Mike, because that's just his personality. So they give Morrow the captain. He wears it for six or seven years. The stars have a pretty good run. He gets older. And then they gave it to another young Western Canadian and Jamie Ben. And Jamie embodies Brendan Morrow hockey. Tough, heavy game, right? Physical, a pro, guy who will play 83 games out of 82 and just, you know, he's on the Olympic team. Uh, I think he scored a goal or two for Team Canada in 14, I think it was. And he's, he's an all-star. He won the scoring trophy in 2013 or 14, and he became the face of the Dallas Stars. Even after they picked up Sagan, even after they drafted Miro Heiskanen, he'd still think Jamie Benn. Well, a couple of years ago, they signed Joe Pavelski. And Joe was in the second part of his career near the end. He wanted to go to a place, came down to Tampa or Dallas, and he wanted to go to a place where he thought he could have a shot on a run. Because that was the one thing that was missing from what would probably be a Hall of Fame career that he built. I would think so. Yeah. Pardon? I said I would think it would be a Hall of Fame yeah, okay. career. Yeah. So, and if not, truly one of the great American hockey players mm-hmm. ever. I, I don't know why he's never in that discussion. It's always Leach and Madonna and all these other guys, Chelios. I'm like, uh, this guy needs to be in the conversation. Kachuk. So they give it to him. And in the bubble, they, they go on this great run in the bubble, right? Right. And you remember Pavelski was killing it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. This, here's this old guy just redirecting shots in from the moon, and they go in. So I and I had covered that team for, I don't know, three or four years. And I'd interviewed somebody, and he said, this guy tells me, he says, Mac, the captain of this team is Joe Pavelski. This was a voice I trusted. Nice dog, by the way. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this was a voice I trusted. I would never, ever have gone with the opinion that I went with the other day had one Jamie not reacted the way he did. I think anybody can forgive, dude, you lost. I, what I want to know, and I wish I had asked, is what did Mark Stone say to you that made you snap like that in that moment? Like, wait, did we call you a name, say your mom? Was good in bed, or yeah. Something just yeah. totally. I'm sure, I mean, it's not like Jamie Ben's in his first few years of his career. I'm sure Bingo. he's heard it, you know. Yeah, yes. yeah. And that, that and he was came out of the Western too, so that's yes. no. Yeah, oh, that's not. Yes, yeah. and that was the part that bothered me about. It's it like this is not some guy who just walked in from juniors. Yeah, this guy's been in the league for 13, 14 years. Played a million games. Played 82 games this season. Had a great bounce back year. Scored 78 points. I mean, everything. Everything that we we thought about Jamie Ben's career. I was going to fall off a cliff because he played too heavy for too long and it was just going to catch up with him. We've seen it a thousand times. Right. He scores 78 points this year. The Stars are on a run. He scores a huge goal in game two against uh, Vegas. They lost the game, but it wasn't his fault. And then in that moment, Dallas is already down 1-0 early in game three. Then he loses his mind. And, and within five, eight feet of the official, yeah. right, and to hide it, does a brutal cross check on a guy who's vulnerable in a game now that is called to get that kind of play out of circulation. What was the ref going to do? Yeah, I didn't see it. Again, no choice. Yeah. So they yeah. gave him misconduct. He ducks the media, right? It, they give him a game of misconduct. It's a five-minute power play. Vegas scores again. They go on to win 4 nothing, which is ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. It was a home game in the playoffs, 4 yeah. nothing in the West Finals. 
And then he waits till the next day. So now the media is all like, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. And, you know, the coaches can't say anything. Now, they may have browsed about it behind closed doors. But, Adam, they didn't say anything. Uh, DeBoer's like, I'm not going to pile on to this guy. And he What's can't. He, what's he, he, he gets yeah. into the room at that point, too. No way. You can't. And it's you his can't. first year as the coach. So what's he right. doing? You can't say anything. Right. Now, and he said nothing. So then the next day, Jamie Ben comes out and talks about it. And he doesn't own it. Yeah. That's the part of like, well, it was unfortunate. I'm like, yeah, guy shouldn't have been standing there. Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean it's unfortunate? <laughs> I mean, it, what you're basically saying is it's unfortunate they called the penalty on yeah. you, yeah, and they scored another goal, and your two, team they scored two on that. Scored yeah, two, they, yeah, yeah, they scored two. Thank you. So they're already down. Now they're down. You, then they're all, then they're down. Evgeny Dondinov, who okay. was probably having, might have been their most efficient overall, their best forward in the playoffs. That's a different issue. And so now you're out with and, and it's unfortunate. Like, dude, you put your team in a terrible position. Right. If ever there was a moment where and maybe verbally, and I'm like, I'm, I'm gonna give him this because it, it's insulting and it's not fair. Maybe verbally he doesn't have, doesn't have the vocabulary or the wherewithal to sit there and reach into the pot of words to say, dude, really messed up. I'm sorry, I'm gonna make it up. Whatever. That's all he had to say. He, he, he could have gone yeah. up there and been like, hey, I fucked up, hand up. That's all you have to do. That's that's all you have to do. Instead, it's unfortunate. Like you get cheat, you get caught cheating on a test. It's really unfortunate. Uh, yeah, which is unfortunate that you did it or they busted you. It reminded me of the old Seinfeld bit when when they would uh, the doctor when they had the pasta and he's like million to one shot, doc, million to one. I, I fell. That's what reminded me. Jerry. Yeah, yeah Fustilli Fustilli Jerry. Jerry. That's what it reminded me of. So when I wrote it, I'm like. You've got a captain in your locker room. It ain't this right. guy. You can't act that way. Now, are they going to do it? No. Never. No. What Joe Pavelski wants, dude's like 38 years old. Yeah. He's done everything but win a cup. Everything. He's like, I'm like, don't know. Don't waste my time with this crap. Let him have it. Who cares? We'll move on. But in that moment, in that moment, that is everything that your captain cannot do. And he did it. Yeah. And that's why, and you know, I don't know if you guys, I think you probably saw it. So earlier this season, Dallas Stars owner Tom Gallardi was on the radio. Or yep, up in Vancouver. Yep. Was, okay, you saw it. And he inferred, you know, a lot of my colleagues took it the wrong way, that basically the Dallas-Fort Worth media, I'm, who am I kidding, it's yeah. mostly Dallas, it, are soft on the Stars. And they don't get the kind of pressure in the media externally that some other clubs do like Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Detroit, Boston, Rangers, Islanders, that, that beltway. Right. Right. And they don't, the Cowboys do Cowboys will get crucified if they screw up a punt. Yep. But if the stars, that fan base is so loyal and it's, it's decent size. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's amazing what they've done here, but that, that's a very nice fan base. And the media does what it, I'm not going to criticize the media. I'm not, but I think, I, I think I understood his point. I talked to a couple of former players about it and their point was, look, sometimes you need as a player and a coach, external pressure, like they get in Toronto and those places because the coach can't say it all. And if the player feels like I can't even go out and get a beer or have a cheeseburger on a bar, because I'm going to hear about how bad we've been the last four nights you don't have any of those concern in this market. Yeah. None. Oh, that's interesting. And 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 that's and I think it's one of the trade-offs that the players in Sunbelt markets, Dallas, Nashville, 
Well, Atlanta doesn't have that problem. Arizona doesn't have that problem. Mm. They enjoy that here. They enjoy the NN. They enjoy the wealth. They get to play the sports, get the pretty blondes and yep. all that other stuff. And they don't have the, they don't have the pressure. And that's, I think that's why the owner, uh, the Dallas owner specifically, it comes to mind with his, with the way he skewers Ben and Sagan over the years. And you think that's why? Is that part yeah, of it? I think, well, I think he's a fan. I, I do think, I, I don't want to say he's George Steinbrenner or anything like that. And I don't know if there's an equivalent. To, I'm trying. I'm sorry, guys. I've got this bad shadow. I'm trying oh, to get yeah. out. No, you're good. It's sunny okay. in Texas. I know that. No, it is. But I got these shades. And I see it splitting. Uh, no, I think he's a fan. I like the guy a lot. He's yeah. a nice guy. Um, but he's, you know, he owned a junior team. Yeah. Okay. Who's buying a junior hockey? You don't buy a junior hockey team unless you love hockey. Yeah. The guy loves hockey. He's a Vancouver resident. He's got a place in Dallas. And I think, I think he's a fan. And I, you know, I, I know some of the. Uh, you know, some of my colleagues in the media in here in Dallas Fort Worth, and I think Frank, you know who I'm probably talking about, they they defended Ben and Sagan against those comments. Yeah. And when I saw those comments, I'm like, he's not wrong. You're paying Sagan nine eight five. Uh, yeah. Uh you're paying Ben, who had a great bounce back here, eight and a half. Nine five. Like, yeah, is it nine, nine five? five? Nine five okay, for nine two five? for two more years, yeah. Okay. So you're you're on the hook, is it? And it, it's those that term that Doug Armstrong talked about however many years ago, it's eating teams alive. Yeah. Cause you're giving them in the prime of their years, prime, prime windows of their career. And you can just pray that maybe they can hang on to it. When we have seen over the years when hockey players, most of them, not all of them, most of them, I mean, Pavelski is an exception. You can see some defensemen that are so exception that there's, yeah, most of them, they just lose it because yeah. they started at 20 or 21 and they just, they lose it. And so that's what he's talking about. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Yeah. And so when when he talked about it, any rational observer would be like, yeah, he's right. He's right. Yeah. And I think so you needed some external pressure. And the fact that it had to come from the owner, that's, I mean, it's just what it is. I, I think that kind I of speaks forever. I no, no, you're no, fine. You're good, I, I, th- I think that awesome. really does. We don't get yeah. this kind of insight from us morons, so it's oh, good. No, no, yeah, it's and I, I do. I do think it speaks to the Dallas market because you you do look. This is not the first time Gallardi's made comments, much like he made uh, with the emojis of a uh, we'll say a galloping horse and a pile of poop, uh, which is what he referred to both Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben playing as uh, a couple years back. The media was is wrong? not. Was he wrong? No, the, and that was when they were at a very, very low point. Now, yeah. granted, Sagan did have a lot of injury issues. They basically had to reattach his leg for all intents yeah. and purposes. But you still weren't producing up to that point like we expected you to. Jamie Ben, there was no excuse. Did he win the Art uh, Art Ross Trophy? Yeah, he won it with eighty-seven points. <laughs> Connor McDavid said, "That's me in six months. Like I don't need. I don't like whatever." But you, you, you look back at at the way that this this city looks at the stars and they they really aren't hard on them. You look not, at when when not. the Rangers were on the cusp of winning the World Series and Nelson Cruz will never forget it here in Dallas or Fort Worth didn't make the catch. We eventually lose that series. We lost again to the Giants and they've completely fell off and everyone said, "Well, back to obscurity the Rangers go. We knew that this is what the team was going to be like." The right. Cowboys, like you said, the Cowboys could sneeze wrong and Dak Prescott would hear about it. Oh, did you guys see Dak sneeze? His neck is gone. He can't throw the ball anymore. <laughs> and I think you remember, was it Randy Galloway? Call it Overreaction Monday. Yes. It was on 103.3 ESPN Radio here in Dallas. Rest in peace. But he would come on every Monday, and if the Cowboys had won, play the music. We're going to the Super Bowl. 
We we could be one and set one and fifteen at the time. We won a game that we're on the up and up. The stars just don't have that pressure here, yeah, and I don't. Know. And I, I, but I, I, I do think. think that, I think I think it's one of the trade offs. I was writing about this when when Dallas when the final four the NHL's final four was set. You have Vegas, Carolina, Florida, Dallas. I, I mean, I don't think any of these markets those final four markets function any differently. I remember I used to go down to when, the, when I used to cover the stars, they, you know, as a beat writer, they had games in Florida, which is in sunrise, which is, yep. I don't know, 30 I've minutes. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere, right? Yeah. It's literally, it's, it's basically by a couple of outlet malls. Mm-hmm. Well, if, and I've made an argument that Florida is an outlet mall. Yes. That's true. <laughs> right. No, you're right. And I mean, that fan base one of the real challenges, and I, I can't speak to it in Boston, but you know, I and I, I take that back. I'm, I'm viv- I vividly remember covering <laughs> this, this that this story could be a podcast. I can't tell it, but I vividly remember covering a game in Boston. Oh, I know which just, game. I bet. No, this was a hundred <laughs> oh, years I, ago. I thought the Steve Ott. No, Sean no, Avery no, game no, no, no. I remember that, was that a, one. No, that was I remember a fun that game. No, it was like, uh, but I mean, this is back when. You know, you had a goalie who played sixty some games. This was way before, you know. Oh, Jake Ottinger. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. No, but this was this was back when you had a definite one A goal, right? Not one A and one B, and you just went with the hot hand and stuff like that. But I just remember the intensity in Boston for a Tuesday night game. Mm-hmm. It felt considerably hotter and higher than it did in Carolina on January. Probably was the same road trip. Yeah. And that's just the market. And, and it takes, but if you had told me, I think if you if you had told the NHL back in 1992 when Dallas came back, when, when the North Stars came down here and Anaheim started a team and all this dramatic expansion and league relocation started to happen, that they would have stable franchises in Dallas, Anaheim, Carolina, um, Tampa, Miami. Nashville and San Jose. That's eight teams. Seven, seven teams. And I'm pro- oh, and Colorado, Denver. So there's eight teams that, and you can't. The Arizona thing is a disaster. Atlanta didn't work again. So those are busts. But if you had said that, and you're going to have a Final Four of those teams, they would say, "Oh, that's my daughter. Wave, honey. Yes, that's my daughter. <laughs> uh, what are you getting out of here? Sports. Oh no, the iPad." Thank you. So, we yeah, saw the video of her reading priority. the tweet. She did a good job. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, but if you had said that, you would be like, "That's great success." But the trade-off is, is that those these markets, even though they're working and they fill out, they fill up 17,000 seat buildings and all that other stuff, they don't come with nearly the wattage of a Chicago, of a Minnesota, because we just can't play it. Basically, only rich people can play hockey down Yeah. Down. And I don't know if it's the same in Boston or not. Well, really? Boston's it's, it's tough as an original six. It's a little different. We were talking about it before you came on, me and Fang. Uh, it, uh, this just popped into my head with when you mentioned Arizona. So one of the cities that's talked about moving it to, if they move, is Houston. And Fink, yeah. you and I have talked about this. Yep. Do you think having a team in Houston would would ramp up the spotlight on the Stars players? Maybe, marginally. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's just such a... Like I, I did a book. I'm going to plug my book. I did Four book books. Don't let them humble oh, that's, brag that. That's true. No, I, I did one a couple of years ago where I spent four days. That, that was sounded like awesome. Oh, it was neat. It was great. Yeah. And I, so I went to Houston on Thursday. I covered a 
Texans Thursday night game. And then I went out to where Friday night lights was yep. the next day, um, which is Midland, Odessa. I had to fly there. That's West Texas. And I drove through the night and I did the Texas Oklahoma game in Dallas on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I did the Cowboys game against the Patriots, actually, coincidentally. And I don't think I really realized just how much the sport of football is ingrained in our everyday culture starting August 1 here. And it it dictates marriage, weddings. It dictates weekends. I mean, it's just such an enormous part of the culture here. And the closest analogy I could do, I grew up in Indiana was basketball when I was a kid. Oh, like Hoosiers, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. And and on a much smaller scale because the state's obviously a lot smaller. So as as big as hockey has gotten here, and you've got pros coming out here now. Yeah. Coming out of the state. But uh in terms of ramping up the pressure, yeah, a little bit. I mean it's all about growth. And I think what we've seen consistently over the years is that there is growth in sports and specifically the NHL. I'll never forget this I had an opportunity to interview Gary Bettman in his office. This is in like 2004 during the lockout. So he was in full spin control. Oh yeah. And uh, he said, we compare ourselves with ourselves. And as long as you do that, you would say the national hockey league has done pretty good the last 20 years. And you'd yep. be right. You'd be right. Now if you said, well, this is what the NFL is doing. You're like, Oh my God, this is yeah. a disaster. Yeah, right. You guys were, <laughs> yeah. you, you lost, you lost 82 games. You, you had to flush a season. You had to flush a third of another season. You've got one franchise relocating from Atlanta back to Canada. You've got another team that's all but dead in Arizona that's going to be moving soon. So you, you would say Muni and, rink. Yeah. Yeah. And that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. You're a, really you're is. a major league sport and you're playing in a 5,000 seat arena. That's humiliating. Yeah. So if they you're came borrowing to, from a college. Yeah. Yeah. It's even more insulting. It's awful. So if they go, if they went to Houston, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, Kansas city. Cause you know, when you look at when, where the NHL has gone, they went to San Jose, they went to Nashville before anybody else was there. They own those markets. Vegas. Great. Oh, yeah. smartest thing the league ever did. Yeah. Yeah. And cause I remember that the, the talk was this, what they wanted to do was I've never told this story. Cause I had a GM tell me this, what they wanted to do was get a franchise in Vegas. They wanted Pittsburgh to fail go to Vegas, draft Sidney Crosby number one, and have him wow. Vegas. That, that was, that was the, the sort of – but they just – the timing of it didn't quite work. And instead, Pittsburgh got him, and he saved he saved the franchise, Yeah, which I, I think is probably better for the league and certainly the city of Pittsburgh. Absolutely. And it's just a, it's such a shame how poorly Vegas has done since they've come into the league. They've <laughs> struggled so mightily every single season, seemingly. Well, and that's uh, another thing. Like, I, I'm kind of curious to pick your brains about this because one thing the NHL did, and I thought it was a great idea, was they, re, they rethought the way an expansion team could be built. And instead – because what they wanted to do was – League executive told me this: If we're going to put a team in Vegas or put a team in Seattle, we've got to give them a chance immediately. Yeah. We yep. can't have ten years of ten straight losing seasons like they did in Columbus and Minnesota and wherever else. Like the Columbus one was a fiasco. Yeah, they've been so bad. And by them changing it, they can sell some tickets, and they built a fan base in Seattle and in Las Vegas probably for a long time. Now you guys are fans of different franchises. Do you like the way they did that? Hundred percent. I do I, personally. I do because if you were to if you were to remove me from from this platform and say, "Hey, 
there's a basketball team that's owned by Michael Jordan, and there's a hockey team in the middle of the desert in Vegas. Which one do you think is doing better? I'd say, obviously, the basketball team owned by one of the greatest, if not the greatest, basketball player of all time. And you tell me I was wrong. I'd be like, I, I just don't see how. And you look at the Charlotte Bobcats and just how poorly they played as an expansion team. It, it's not fun. It's not fun. I think, I think, Frank, I think uh, the Hornets have made the playoffs one time since Jordan bought them. And I think they've had one winning record. Yeah. How crazy is that? Fast. Because just because he was a phenomenal player doesn't mean, doesn't mean he's seen coach. the thousands. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I remember, and I'm like, you're a Larry Bird guy. I grew up in Larry Bird country. So when Larry yeah. Bird came back to Indiana and he led the Pacers to the, to the finals and then he left because he knew, okay, I'm only as good as my best players. This team's ready to get, is getting ready to get old. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And so like, just because Jordan has a lot of money and nobody wants listen to what Charles Barkley said about Jordan. He yeah. nailed it. Yeah. And it doesn't, but it doesn't to my mind, I'm an eighties kid. It doesn't change my, my view of Michael Jordan as a player. Right. Which means he's a crappy talent evaluator. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I do want to kind of bring it back yeah, to hey, the him, stars a little bit. Right, you know, stars, guys, I know I said my, since my daughter has my iPad. If you want to keep keep going with this? Keep All going. right, we don't have to cut this Fink, off. Fink has a, he he's the stars guy. I yeah. I am Bruins, but I I watch everything. But Fink Fink dialed it down for you. Yeah, Br- Brownie Brownie will humble me when it's necessary. So uh, <laughs> no, I I've obviously I've I've followed you Mac for a long time. So this is just a super cool experience for me. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to uh, kind of sit here and talk with you. But I do want to kind of dive into, obviously, the main the main focus for a lot of Stars fans right after is you look at the unrestricted free agents versus the restricted free agent, uh, which is just Tyler Delandria. I think the Stars are going to go out, probably get him back. I think he's a very tenacious player. Um, he's unfortunately reminded me of Jamie Benn at times, uh, taking some pretty stupid penalties. I think there were a lot of glaring penalties in this playoff run. That kind of fell on Delandria, um, but the yeah, penalty kill one, obviously two and one shift, and he yeah, pretty much yeah. 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 Uh, but then you looked at the unrestricted free agents, and I think you kind of see the writing on the wall: um, Evgeny Dadonov, Max Domi, Glenn Denning, Kibiranta, uh, Frederick Olofsson, and Joel Hanley. Um, you know, I, I personally see them going after you know the guys like Hanley, Glenn Denning. Maybe uh, he is on the cusp of where you know you do have a guy, a lot of young guys waiting in the wings, but. Um, from your vantage point, who do you see the stars kind of making a, an effort to go for? Um, do they surprise us and maybe go for a Max Domi and let uh, those other guys go and, and kind well, of recoup the loss? Me, you know, Kiviranto was one of the great finds of all time, right? Right. And they got him for nothing. Yuri Lettinen liked him and they, they gave him a shot. Yep. And then he, what, he has a hat trick in the West Finals in the bubble. Is that what it was? Yep. Yeah. Like, Colorado and I, Avalanche and then yeah. puts us into the Stanley Cup Finals. Yep. He can skate, and man, too. He's, he's a nice player. Is he a yeah. top six player? Uh, he might be a top six player. Like over, I'm talking over 82 games. Yeah. And because, you know, every, players can find, like, Dallas Andrews scored two goals in the third period in game <laughs> yeah. five. First multi goal scores or multi goal game for him of his career. Of his career. career. Yeah. yeah. His entire and, career. And and it's that's that's the playoffs for you. You're right. You yeah. crash, and there's a rebound or there's a screen, and you're in the right place at the right time, and you whack it, and all of a sudden, wow! All of a sudden, look how great you are. But he had to be there in the first place to do right. it. Right. And you've got to have the want to and the willingness to get hit. Young players will do that. Older players, I don't know. That's what makes Joe Pavelski so good. I mean, Joe Pavelski right. blows me away. I I call him Tom Brady on skates. So yeah. <laughs> It's all about number, you know, what's he worth? 
Yeah. I'm TV Rantra and I, I can get money someplace else by. Yeah. I go. The well, one I'm biased. And I'm, I'll, I'll say this I'm biased about this guy. I'm biased because and this happens every blue moon. I got a chance to meet this guy when he was a rookie and he talked to my nephew as an ice hockey player and he's a diabetic, just like Max Domi is. Yeah. And Max spent 10, 15 minutes talking to him. That's that was my nephew. And you know, that meant so much to me. And I he's not as good as his dad, right? He's I mean it's it's yeah. a different guy. Yeah, and there's yeah. there's not a room for his dad anymore. No, hundred percent. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's a great point. His dad wouldn't even be in the league now. Right. Yeah. There's that whole strata of players, genre of players that a, that a GM be like, dude, no, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. You, I, your roster spot's too valuable for this yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. But I would sign. I, there's Max Domi is right on. Is that guy who? There's a line, and he's just underneath in terms of pushing that line and what hockey still is about and allows. Right. And I don't know who else. Ben, Ben will do it. I I still think you need that. Yeah, you do, 100%. I think they got pushed around in that Vegas series, and I think we oh saw that God. a lot. Same 100%. thing in the Minnesota series. I think you they got... I mean, eat, let, let's face facts. All playoffs long, they trailed in hits. And this is, this is the stat, Brownie. I think I brought it up. And this guy has frustrated me almost as much as Ryan Suter is Yanni Hockenpah. When we brought him to this team, he was third in the league in hits. He hasn't even cracked the top 25. I don't think he's cracked the top 50 since he's since he's been in Dallas. And I get it, different philosophies, different play styles for different people, different coaches. But if you're a top five hitting defenseman in the league, I expect you to hit people. You're six foot seven. You're a giant man. And his physicality has just completely vanished no, when he came I, to the Dallas Stars. And, and, and the thing that, that that was, you know, Dallas is really fast, right? Mm-hmm. Jason Robertson is fast. I mean, that, is, that is a dynamic player. Well, that's your article. You you mentioned this. You were like, this is a direct quote. You were like, Dallas is a big team, but are, they're not the biggest. They're a fast yeah. team, but they're not the fastest. And I and I feel like, and I, I'm sorry, I cut you off, but it's like exactly. they're they're just shy of where that, that line that you talk yeah. about. You know, and I, I don't know. So you talk about the guys that are free agents. Okay, does that they're going to bring a couple of them back, and a few of them, if you're their agent, and you can get three or four years someplace else. By you got to you yeah. got to go. You got to go. Um, I like Kiwi Rantra a lot because I'm one of these guys. I fell in love with. Uh, I got this is an obnoxious name drop, but I'll never forget <laughs> covering Bill. I learned a lot when I covered uh, about pro sports and just. People from covering Bill Parcells when he was the head coach of the Cowboys. Right. And he had signed this guy. Actually, he was a Bostonian, a BC kid named Mark Colombo. And Mark had been a first round pick, but he had destroyed his knees in Chicago, his right knee. And so Bill signed him. It's kind of like a future. It's like, we're just going to take a flyer on this guy yeah. and get him healthy and see what happened. And I remember I asked him, I, I, and he said, Well, because Al Davis had taught him this line. I can't believe I remember this. He said, if somebody else you trust likes him, then you need to look at him. And, you know, if Yuri Letton is one of the best professionals I ever had a chance to cover, and just the heart of God, if he if his hands had just been a little bit better, we're talking about a 50-goal score. But his, yeah. he just didn't have the hands for it. 
He had the grit for it and he could skate. He just didn't have the hands. Yuri Lettman liked that guy. And if Yuri Lettman likes that guy, I'm like, huh, okay, I'm probably going to like that guy. It doesn't mean he's going to score 30 goals or, or whatever. I don't know what his productivity was. But I like the, the problem is all these different guys that you just mentioned, they're nice players. Yeah. The, the challenge to me when I, the Hawk and Paw thing, I didn't realize the hit differential was that stark. That's yeah. awful. Like I was, you just come here and now all of a sudden the thing that made you a good NHL player, you don't even do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Then why did, why did we bring you here? Exactly. Change the so, game when you didn't need to. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's not like you're running around getting dumb penalties or you're just trying to run guys because you have a temper and you're an idiot and you're trying to get into fights. That's not him. But if you're, if your game is an edge and we knew that when we evaluated you, bring it here. Then yeah. that's, then we're doing something wrong on our end. And I think when I looked at this team, they scored a lot. The goaltending is pretty good. I, I think some of us who watched the stars probably fell a little too much in love with Jake Ottinger for his performance against Calgary last year. Right. And he was amazing. There's that stat. We talked about it a few weeks yep. ago. I was going to yep, you get, allude you to you that. Get over, you get over 60 and goaltender stats just go off a cliff. And yep. it's, it's at this point, I don't understand how any NHL team doesn't realize that when we realize it. You know what I mean? It's like if we realize that, then the guys running who do this for a living should realize it. And, well, you know. I, I, well, I know Wedgwood was hurt. Yeah, but no, yeah. and I, but I, you think you bring up a really good point. I think one of the challenges for all these coaches, uh, GMs too, is you you know that stat, right? And you can always rationalize your way around any statistic, but at the end of it, if you really need that game, you're like, damn it, we're going with this guy. I know what the yeah. numbers say. We're, yep. I trust this guy. I I I like this guy. But I trust this guy. Yeah. So we're going with this guy. I don't know if he said it or not, but I'm convinced Jake, Jake, he, he kind of referenced it. I'm convinced Jake Ottinger was playing with some kind of injury in that series. I don't know what. And yeah. He, Pete DeBoer kindly, loosely referenced it after game six, but, and they, they were still going to lose. You lose six nothing, you got your ass kicked. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you know, you, uh, the, to me, you mentioned all those names. I like Domi. I like you know, did you, all those guys you mentioned. You don't dislike any of them. No, not at all. The, the issue is like you're paying nine and a half million dollars to a third line center. Yeah, you're paying. You will be lucky if Jamie Ben gets seventy eight points again. Lucky. Oh, absolutely. Um, we'll be we'll be lucky if he can replicate the season he had this year. Yeah, that's what I mean. That, that's, yeah. that's what he did. And if yeah. he does that again, great. Hats off to him. Yeah. Um, and Because then I think you sign a guy to eight years or whatever, and you got six good years out of him. Okay, you won that deal. Yeah. I think you got your bang for your buck. To me, the issue is defense. I, I don't know what you do with Ryan Suter. I mean, guys. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. I, what do you do? I mean, you can't. I don't think teams are allowed to shoot their players. I think that's. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed yet. Well, Texas. Never yeah, yeah, that, things that's are right. Don't rule that out. Um, so numbers I, wise, I felt bad for him. I mean, oh, to he, like, a degree, minus twenty-eight. Yeah, oh, he's terrible. He, he is by far the worst player on the team statistically. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I'm glad. 
I'm glad you alluded to it and brought that up because I, I, I do a podcast on my own down here. We cover nothing but North Texas hockey. And we talked about, I brought up the numbers yesterday. You get $2.8 million in cap space back if you buy him out now for the next two years. And then you get a $700,000, I believe, cap relief the years following to pay him back. You know, that all goes to the wash, whatever. But it's really not that hard of a buyout. It's re- I mean, if you're already giving $9.5 million to a guy like Jamie Benn, who still has two more years, you're giving $4.5 million to Mason Marchment, who had a great first 10, 15 games and then just completely disappeared. Banished. Completely disappeared. I mean, he was leading the Stars in points and goals for, I think, the first 10 games, 15 games through the season, and everyone was like, this is a great signing. You're yeah. giving a, a guy like him $4.5 million What's 2.8 to get rid of arguably the worst defender on your team? And that's saying something. I think he made a play. I want to say it was in game. Was it the one where they cost the goal? Because that was game two, I believe, in overtime where he blatantly just stopped playing defense. Yeah, that one. It was was, that one was like – at least that. Oh God, that one was. That was barely. Yeah. Yeah. That to was me, that one. to me shifted the momentum completely oh, totally. in the it favor, totally and did. that was Vegas' series. That you totally agree. If they went, they should have won game. That series should have been two two. Dallas should have lost the series. Vegas was better, <laughs> but that series should have been two two after four games. Agreed. And they gave up game two, and Suter had that total brain fart yeah. in overtime. You're like, what are you doing? And then it was. I think it was in game five. It was in Vegas, and whoever I can't remember the Vegas four is coming at him, coming at him towards the top of the crease and he goes the other way he goes away from yeah. the puck yeah and i'm like what are you doing yeah. he's anticipating that, a pass and i think it was march so and march so took the shot top shelf buried it instantly and look I, at suitor and because it was suitor suitor skated away from and you could tell there was a breakdown in communication between him and mira high skin yeah and i don't care i don't care i don't care that is fundamental two-year-old sports stop the ball stop the puck yeah and he skated and he wasn't like at the blue line he wasn't at the red line he was five feet in front of your goalie yeah You're like yeah dude i'm good give it a shot <laughs> oh you scored i'll be damned let me go get you the stuffed animal from up here good shot yeah. son i i and i'm like what i would love to know is and i'll, I'll never know it is what his teammates thought of him in that moment because everybody stands up for everybody us great guys wonderful teammate no one cares hard and all that bullshit i'm like dude yeah. what the fuck are you doing we've <laughs> there got had to be. no margin for error out here right. yeah. you're out here screwing off running away from the puck if you hate that much go to your couch yeah it was like, like a cornerback jumping the route like you're like, yeah. could have played better yeah and here's here's the fascinating thing to me is you go back, and this is from like a fan standpoint. So let's let's remove the fact that he's just an atrocious defender, regardless of age. He is disliked everywhere he has played. He goes to Nashville, right? yeah. he still gets booed. He, he goes be, to yeah. Minnesota, he gets booed. Well, he, well he's, no, 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 but, but hang on. It's one thing if fans sit there and it's like, oh, I hate this guy. I What's usually the know. money attached to is what gets well, the right. Hands, yeah. And that's a big, like, I, yeah. that's a huge part of it. Right. Yeah. I hate that when teams like money's not important. Fuck you. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. it is. If it's not important. Then why are you sitting there haggling at contract time? Because it's everything. Yeah. Uh, it's not yeah. important. That's a lie. It's, and it's, it's, it's important to everybody now. But what I want to know is what do his teammates think about him? I they don't like him. Got, 
Okay. There you when go. he was in, then when he was in Nashville, he made a fit because he was taken off the top power play unit and made a complete mess of the locker room because he was so upset that he was taken off. And then he goes to Minnesota. He gets a boatload of money. He underperforms. I don't know any stories out of Minnesota. I've got some friends that write up there. I guarantee you, I can pull a story out of them where they say, "Yeah, he was a veteran, but he didn't act like it." Okay, so you get rid of him. Yeah, and to me, my mind, on my mind, the biggest issue for the stars—they obviously have issues on their bottom two lines, right? right? They do. I mean, every every in a salary cap area, you're going to have holes. NFL teams go through it. NBA Absolutely. But they, to me, what I look at is okay. What are they going to do on defense? They have they have Nick Lidstrom right now in Merrill Heiskin. Guy's amazing. He's awesome. I love him. Signed to a 50 year deal. He was he could play 35 minutes a night. He's great. Yeah. Okay. After that. Like, uh, I see some pretty good, but they need help. And 100%. They need, to me, that's where this team is either going to make a jump. Because I swear to God, when I saw Pietrangelo was was with Vegas, I'm like, he's going to kill them. Yeah. Because he murdered them when he was with the Blues. And it was the same damn thing. I'm like, yeah. there's nobody on that. It's the, it's the not quite big enough. And if Hockenpah is that big, Right, you've got an elephant on skates, and then you tell that elephant, "Sit tight." Yeah. Okay. Then there's an issue there, and I, I, I believe in Jim Nill. I think he's a good man. He's a good general manager. They built a really good core here. They're going to be relevant, but they are right. When you look, Dallas lost where they should have lost, mm-hmm. in in terms of where they where they finished in the playoffs. No different than the Cowboys. Cowboys had a great regular season. They lost where they should have lost in the divisional round. They weren't better than the 49ers again. And I think when you looked at, if you matched up and you played that series out against Vegas, you're like, no, the better team won. Could Dallas force game seven? Yeah, they could have. But they weren't better than Vegas. How do you get better than Vegas? How do you get better than create some separation from Seattle or whomever else? You've got to go get one. And I don't know how you do it. I, the only the only way I see it working out, and this is just from very intense 10 second research that I've done while we were having this conversation. <laughs> um, obviously, you have Nils Lundqvist waiting in the wings, quite literally all postseason long. He was a scratch. We gave up a first and second rounder, sent them to the Rangers for Nils Lundqvist, who did not want to be with that team anymore because he was not getting any playing time. Guess what? And they played Ryan Suter in front of him. Right. Exactly. He's that now. I do you, see something there they don't like about Nasling. I I I tend to disagree just because I you know Jim Neal is going to come out and say the Jim Neal thing. We like where this team's at. He yeah. said I like where Neal's has come as far as when he's been with the Stars. I think you slot him in on the second or third line defense along with maybe an Essa Lindell. We'll see how that goes. But a name that just kind of popped up to me that's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's probably going to garner a lot more money than he's making right now. Is a guy like Rocco Gudis. Gudis has had a transformation wow. since he's come out of the Capitals and he's played well. The way he plays with Florida is exactly how you need someone to play for the Dallas Stars. Is he a first? I'd say second line. He's a second. I mean, we're going to have to see. Someone's going to have to emerge to play with Miro Heiskanen, but we can't have another example of Ryan Suter playing with Miro Heiskanen and, and Ryan Suter making that play of, I rely so heavily on Heiskanen that I'm not going to cover the puck because it's Miro Heiskanen. He's got this. I don't need to. I think that's where Ryan Suter is mentally. 
I can't keep up with this kid, but he's good enough to where I don't have to play elite defense anymore. And unfortunately, and then in that game, he got moved down to the third line with, I believe, he uh, moved off the ice. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what everyone in Dallas is saying. So I think that you can recoup your losses if you get that two point eight. If you do happen to buy out Ryan Suter, which would be hilarious to get bought out twice in your career, uh, and you go to a guy like a Rocco Gudis or someone that's going to be a hard hitting defenseman that you really just don't have right now, because I don't think teams look at the Dallas want- Stars. No, no, no. Do you think they want a hard hitting defenseman? I don't know, and that's what kind of scares me. If if I'm if I'm uh, Gallardi, I, I guarantee you Gallardi's going to gym and saying, "Hey, I'm sick of getting pushed around. I'm sick of watching the team that I own get pushed around. We need to make some, even if it's Ryan Reeves of all people, who's not going to produce anything, but he's a great lock. Would you want Ryan Reeves on your roster? If he's, he's a bottom to the Bruins, unfortunately. Oh, never What's mind. That? You guys can he's have been, him. He's been linked to the Bruins, unfortunately, this offseason. I wouldn't which, want him. No. Because no. he can't. What, what What? can he do? I mean, at this point, just yeah, hit people. We're okay. Just hit people. I well, mean, you've got that guy on your roster now if you're Dallas and you've asked him, yeah, don't hit anybody. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's it's a finish thing. I can't well, I, I can't explain the board, it. The beat the board thing, though, with his, with his coaching style, he's always had that top level smooth skating Niedermeyer-esque defenseman. Yeah. Right? Everywhere he's gone, he's had at least one. So maybe that's where the no hitting comes from. They want them to just quick transitions, get the puck up and out for outlets, you know, and it's not the bang the forwards in the corners anymore. I'll so, be really interested to see because I think the one thing Dallas has done consistently since Jim came here from Detroit, they have They've made a splash acquisition, I think, every summer. Yeah. Now, they haven't always worked, right? Right. But trading for Sagan, that worked. Right. Um, there have been other ones. I'm going to I'm gonna blank on it. The guy, I mean, the old center that they got from the Senators, um, blanking on his Oh, Spezza. Jason. Jason didn't have it anymore. He's a good oh. pro, but, you know, it just wasn't there. Um you know, Patrick he, Sharp you know, being one of them, Jonathan Oduya, guys yeah. like that. Yeah, he, he, he went out and he tried. He it. tried. The the Heiskanen thing was a massive, a massive win. Drafting yeah. Val Nuchushkin as high as he did in the first round, I loved, loved that trade, that yeah. that sign, that that drafting because they did it with the idea of if you sign, if you draft him, we are only leaving Russia to play in the NHL. Yeah. And it didn't work. Now, when they now it's worked for him, well, kind of, I guess, until he lost whatever happened in Colorado. But he was really developing into the player in Colorado that he should have here. But it just and that happens sometimes. And it yeah. wasn't like they didn't try. He just wasn't mature enough. It wasn't right. So I think if you looked at what Jim has done, he's he has not been afraid. The owner has has given him has empowered him to spend money. So I have his history says. He'll do something. Doesn't mean it's going to work, but he'll do something. To I don't think he's just going to stand pat. I don't think he's going to be afraid to to screw up. I think he's been. His wife has been through a lot health scares. I think that changes your perspective. Age changes your perspective. Your bank account changes your perspective. All these things give you security to know that I can go out and do this. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Yeah. And that's why I think it wouldn't surprise me whether it's any of these guys that you mentioned. I think he'll do something. They're, just, and, they're not going to just sit still. Yeah, and let's not forget <laughs> that he was just put on a, a one-year extension himself. So 
he's on a contract year, just like anybody else with the one-year extension. So I think he's going to do a little bit more. And, and I'm glad you kind of brought him up again because I do want to kind of shift gears a little bit and look a little bit ahead to the future because I think the future is more bright than Stars fans kind of realize. Now, it's very easy to say 2017 worked out pretty well for us. You know, Jake Ottinger, Jason Robertson, Miro Heiskanen, not a bad, uh, not a bad draft. Now you kind of fast forward. I had a chance to talk to this guy, and this is a this is kind of an example of like a Max Domi, you know, spending hey, time. Gonna, this is driving me crazy. No, go <laughs> ahead, go ahead. It's like you're in a solarium. It, it yeah, is, driving, I the yeah, it's uh, there you go. But kind of alluding sorry, to man. this is no, you're fine. This is a guy who kind of strikes me the same way. I had an opportunity to interview this. I, I can say kid because. He was 19 at the time. I believe he just turned 20. Um, but right. Logan Stankoven. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's a top five scorer in the WHL, and he has an opportunity, likely the biggest one of all the Stars prospects, to crack that main roster next season. In your opinion, if if you have any you know knowledge of the prospect pool outside of uh, Stankoven, is there anyone on the on the cusp that makes the jump next year? You know, um, I'd be swimming in the deep end of the pool, and I'd be I'd be speaking out of turn if I said I knew the the ones that I mean I knew the one of the and I'm going to make excuses. One of the challenges that I'm in is that I, I'm trying to keep track of like four other teams, right? And and TCU as well. I mean, they had that amazing run, right? The one name like and so when they draft guys, those are the ones I kind of keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. So when Wyatt Johnston did his thing, I mean that that's the one I kind of kept right. my eye on, and that's one thing. You know, you talk about why I would be surprised. I don't know why a Stars fan would sit there and not think that their future is pretty bright. And because you have to constantly put it in the, the context of a bright future in this current stage and era of the NHL means you finish in the top five and you just hope for the best in the playoffs. Yeah. Did anybody see this coming from Florida this year? No, not a single person. Right. I don't no, even think they saw it. In yeah. hindsight, you had, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, but in hindsight, you had a President's Cup trophy winning team, right? Who then got Ekblad back, who's a top four defenseman, and then added Matthew Kachuk, who is very different player than Huberdeau. And as great as Mackenzie Weger's doing over in the uh, Worlds, he's not Ekblad. So you shouldn't have been surprised. I mean, the Bobrovsky's thing, obviously, is... I think is, that's the biggest yeah. surprise. That's and the biggest yeah. surprise I mean, there. And, yeah. and there's the other thing. I think that the goalie thing has changed. You know, when I was covering the league, the league was a goalie league, mm-hmm. right? We saw 198 GAAs or 2.12. And, you know, it was that one guy. And it was the celebrity goalie. It was Brodeur. And it was Hashik And all these other guys that just... Pet- third game was over putting that left wing lock and just dump and chase until the clock ran out and it was it just it wasn't exciting and now the league is just on this rotation of goalies like like you mentioned Bob Ross and you just you just running these guys through a cycle and maybe they go they get hot and it works yeah and the thing with that I mean you're right nobody saw that coming with what he's doing in Florida and I think the thing in Florida because you're right Florida has been in a good run, but the hope is that you can kind of do what maybe Tampa did because that run was amazing. I mean, right. nobody, not nearly enough people talk to give Tampa enough credit for the extended run that they had or Chicago 
Pittsburgh, Washington, Washington to an extent. God, even the run Vegas is on right now, which is unfair because it's an expansion team. I don't yeah. see anything that says to me Dallas. If Dallas went to the West, went to the Stanley Cup final in 2000, 2023, they get to the West Finals. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. And if they can extend this out for another, the, the, the thing I think you get worried about is that Pavelski's 38, Ben's 33, Sagan is a third line player. And like, okay, where else are the where else is the production going to come from? Well, Hints looks great. Wyatt Robinson, Wyatt Johnson looks great. Jason Robinson's an all star. I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks 50 goals. Iskinen's a monster. Ottinger looks very, very good. I don't. I think we got a little ahead of ourselves over our skis on some of this. They just need like two more guys, and those, that's easy to say. It's not like you go into a gumball machine. Right. Hey, just give me the cherry flavored. But I, I gotta tell you, and you know the prospect way, way better than I do. But if you look at what they got and what they just did and what they've done now from two, 2020 to today, you should feel pretty good about this. Yeah. Not like the sky's falling. No, you're in a good run, so you better appreciate it now because Stars fans from 2000, let's just say eight, right, when they yeah. lost the West Final, get their ass kicked by Detroit in that game six. 2008, really to about 2020, those were dark times. Absolutely. And the team's in bankruptcy. They had a bunch of crappy drafts. They missed on a bunch of guys. They they sold themselves. Tom, you know, Gal- Alex Galagoski and all these are Trevor Daly, yeah. nice players, but not frontline players. Right. They've got frontline guys now. Yeah, and you should feel good about where you are, even yeah. if you don't win the cup. And I know it's just a crapshoot, and you hope one of them is in there. I do, but you should feel pretty good about the management, about the owner, uh, the coaches. You know, that's coming. Like you said, diaper. Diapers. It is. It is a yeah. diaper, and I like to bore, but I'm not going to sit here. And say, oh, he's terrible. He's trash. I'm like, good God, they're all the same. Yeah. And so, but I, I would think for the most part, you should feel pretty good about where you are. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Stan Coven's going to crack the team next year. I think you've already. I think we are in a very, very unique situation of where you've got the former cornerstones of your franchise still on the team, mm-hmm. and you've yeah, got your cornerstones of the future of the France franchise on the team at the same time. There is a legitimate passing of the torch happening, um, I think, a little bit faster than I think both Ben and Sagan really anticipated. And maybe that's why Ben played so well, because he's like, oh, shit, these kids are way better than me. Um, I could lose the C next year. Who knows? We don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But Well, of all the guys that I mentioned, I want both of you to answer it. Of all the guys that I mentioned who had Pavelski's 38, this guy's awesome. Sagan third line center. I think he had 50 some points in the regular season, but he did come back from that torn Achilles that had in the playoffs from a couple of years ago, yeah. several years ago. Ben scored 78 points in 82 games, played 82 games. Of all those things, which one of those three that you would look at and say, that guy is like in, in descending order done? I would say Pavelski is just a, is a freak in nature. So he's at the bottom of the list. I don't think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays till he's 41 and he's 38 right now. Yeah. He could easily, the way that he conditions himself, the way he plays the game, the he extra plays work it, he puts in the extra work, the fact that he's willing to risk his body, especially after that hit from Dumba. I mean, That's I don't right. think anyone yeah. saw that and went, he's going to be back and make a huge difference and score four goals in one game in the next series. I don't think anyone saw that. They thought, God, I hope he's able to remember his name Where he is yeah yeah okay so, so you've got pavelski third but then i i gotta say ben second and sagan first because sagan just right. 
he he cannot play the type of game that made him famous anymore. And I don't know, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know if he is of the mindset to where he can go into the offseason and say, I'm going to completely revamp the way I play because I can no longer keep up with the style of play that I used to play. Ben, Ben's a tank. There's nothing going on upstairs, but Jamie Ben goes, I'm Jamie Ben. I hit people. I hit people hard. Uh, sometimes I score a goal. I score a goal. Good. I do good things. I break stick when mad. He's very caveman-esque, but Tyler Sagan is the flash, the circumstance, like the, the Hulk. <laughs> he, I mean, really, that's what, for all intents and purposes, that's kind of what he turned and He went Hulk smash, and it just so happened to be on Mark Stone's head and neck and multiple times. But It's just unfortunate that that's Yeah, he, he shouldn't have been like laying there. That. Yeah. No. I mean, when, just out of curiosity, when you guys fall down, how often do you fall down like that? <laughs> Only when I, I carried it. fell the other day, and I was like, damn it. Yeah. And it, it was just unfortunate that, you know, another human being happened. Yeah, it's that. really the ground's fault. And yeah, so at that well, point, totally. I'm just punching and the ground. Did you, know, did you know it was slick? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my God, he could have killed himself out there yeah. when he fell down. So thank God Mark Stone was underneath him with the stick. Yeah. He was able to absorb all that. The real, the real MVP. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, overall, I, I think it's it's an unfortunate situation for Sagan because he's just not he's just not the player that he once was. I don't think he ever can be again because of age, because of injury. Uh, can you Pavel's- think? Of, can either one of you guys think of a player at thirty two who had been that kind of player? Because thirty two is not ancient. No, but was able to sort of move a little bit in a different direction to make himself still a really good contributor, not 80, not a point a game, but maybe 62 and 82. Cause if, if Sagan did 62 or 65 and 82, you're like, yeah, that's pretty good. Can you think of anybody who did that after 30 when it looked like this guy's done. And then he, he, he managed to find it again. Off the, the top of my head, no. no, 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 I, I can't. I, yeah, I'm, you think I'm, I'm a the homer. The only one I, I think of is because uh, my the Ked, the the heart and soul of the morning skate. He's a New York Rangers guy, um, and he's gonna be irate when he hears me say this. But we <laughs> we've talked about it a number of times. Is and this is not the level of a superstar by any means. But do you remember Jimmy VC was a very highly ranked offensive player. And he flamed out in that whole horrible situation up in Toronto where they made him the butt oh, yeah. of the joke. Yeah. And he has reinvented himself in a bottom six grinder with the Rangers. And he's, I mean, he had a good season in that role. So that's the only player I can really think of. I mean, you could say like Doug Gilmore back in the day when he went up to Toronto. Yeah, that's not bad. You know, You're Doug right. Gilmore was a, you know, and Wendell Clark toned it down back then, you know, too. He had to. Billy Garen reinvented himself a little bit. You know when he when he in his later years in Pittsburgh, but totally did. You know, and those I, are the guys I like, think but, of. But Bill, but Bill, you know, and I, I was fortunate enough to cover Bill when he was here, and I really, really we bring him up him. almost every podcast. Oh, he's great! I, just the <laughs> nicest guy. But that was uh, Bill has built a lot differently when he was playing, right? Than Tyler. Yeah, yeah. Tyler's just not, and Tyler's not going to add a bunch of weight. Bill could do those things, was was graced physically to be able to play that kind of game as he got older. And I don't know, I mean, that, Tyler's not, you know, five foot three, 130 pounds, but he's never played that. And I'm trying to think of guys who have adapted and started to play the game. And this is not a dumb player. 
right? He's really right. not. And he made some plays that didn't end up in the score sheet that were positive plays. Again, he mm-hmm. wasn't like it wasn't like some liability. He just didn't make plays. And that's the challenge that we're, we're paying you, brother, to, to make some plays, not just to your forte. And the reason we're paying you nine and a half million dollars is well, he didn't screw up. Okay, yeah, right, that's right, great. Right. So it's be yeah. filling the puck, filling yeah, the network right. box. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. Do, do something and set guys up. Be positive. Uh, time, ice time, you know, in, in the other team's offensive zone, all that stuff. And he just wasn't doing it. He just didn't make any mistakes, which is great. But and he's a good pro and all those, you know, intangibles. But for nine and a half million, that's why Gallardi's saying it. And yeah. that's the part that I, mean, I know we talked about that before. But I'm like. Well, they're stuck with him. They're not going to buy him out. They're going to they'll buy out Suter because I think impulsively, I think even Gallardi would do that. They're not going to buy out Tyler Sagan. They're just no. they're not. So you now you're like, okay, how can we make the best of this? And yeah. he's a good pro. He's a good guy. He's a good pro. Like, okay, what's your game plan now? Because that is not good enough, and you know that you're going to be here for a while. So what are we going to do to make this better? And I I'm like, okay, well, where's what's the because Madonna didn't really do it. And I'm trying to, is there, is there somebody out there? And maybe, you know, you mentioned those older guys, Wendell Clark and, and Alex Gilmore, those guys. I, I, I can't speak to it, but he's, he's going to have to do something. Yeah. Otherwise, come January, this is going to be a problem. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it, it's really a shame at the end of the day, because I don't think it's a, it's a team issue. I think it's a league issue that, you and and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not as knowledgeable outside of the sport of hockey. But is the NHL the only sport where you cannot restructure a contract once it's signed? Um. Oh no, you can restructure NFL contracts all day. They do it all right. Day. So NFL, Major League Baseball, baseball NBA, no. ba- baseball, you're really hemmed in. Uh, basketball, no. The NBA, I don't think you really can. Um, NBA, an NFL contract. Those guys will because they'll make mistakes all the time. So right. You'll say, well, uh, the Patriots restructured the contract of the punter. Like, dude, what? <laughs> like, how bad have you screwed up your cap when you were structuring contracts of the punter? Mm. Yeah. And it, and it happens. They extend them out for another year or do whatever. Um, that's why Dak Prescott's going to get a bazillion dollars here sometime this year, or early next year. Yeah. For I mean, they, they'll do this all the time. But the NHL, I, you know, it's what it is. And they, they had to do it. And, you know, I, unfortunately, back then when I was covering the lockout, I was younger and I was dumb and I believed everything the league was telling me. And then I quickly learned they were lying to all of us. <laughs> I, I, no, I, they were terrible. Oh my God, I was just, the, I, I bought all, yeah, right. You need a salary cap. What the, what the, what the league really needed more than a cap was a floor. NFL teams right. don't need yeah. to worry about floors. NHL teams, you needed a floor, especially back then. Because there were certain teams, I remember a team executive telling me this, there were a handful of teams that did not have enough money to get to the floor. You got to remember, that was back before the league had a national TV contract. Yeah. Because it had they were relying on ESPN. ticket sales. Yeah. yeah, they were just, and, and yeah, and, and regional sports networks. But nationally, they didn't have it. And it wasn't until, and then the explosion of cable television and streaming. And then Gary got the national TV deal with NBC. That helped for a while. Then they got back on ESPN. TNT gets into it. So, you know, but you, you needed that floor more than anything else. And the players knew it and they did get it. And so that's, you know, there were going to be problems with it. We didn't know how they were going to manifest them, manifest themselves. And now it's what we're talking about here. You've, you've given Sagan, oh, 
I lost you. No, I'm still here. No, we're here. Oh, do we lose him? Not sure. Just going to keep it kosher and light. Keep rolling, I guess. <laughs> 107. Four and five year deals, too. Oh, there we go. But you have to give him eight, nine, or 10. Like, what was the one? Uh, who was the, the New Jersey Devils player? They gave like a 12 year deal to, and then he went back to Russia. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, who was that guy? He's really good. But they gave him like an insanely long contract. And then four or five years into the deal, he wanted to go home to Russia. And so that, that kind of bailed him out. It wasn't yeah. only I, whoever it was. Um, it's going to drive me crazy. Think who was that guy? <laughs> He's on the Devils like in seven or eight. Anyways, it doesn't matter. And and that that this is the part. Oh, Chuck. Ilya. Ilya oh, Kovalchuk. There you go. Yeah, nice. And uh, so this is the bad part in the new reality of the NHL with a hard cap, which is, okay, you're going to go long and you're going to end up deal. You're going to end up having to live with bad deals for about two to three years. And that's where the stars are, at least with Sagan. Maybe not Ben, but for sure Sagan. And I'm pretty sure they have both. And this is this is where I get frustrated with Jim Neal personally. I've only got a couple more questions, so we won't keep you for too much longer. But this is where I get frustrated with Jim Neal is he is just notorious for no-move clauses. And I believe Ben, Sagan, Suter, they all have no-move clauses. So, yeah, but don't you think you can put... Don't you think you can, but, but so don't I don't know if they gave him that one. Yeah. If you're not playing a guy, they'll wave that no-move. They'll wave it. Because in my mind, I'm looking at this opportunity because one one move that got slept on because you were talking about that cap floor, um, and I'm not saying it got slept on because anything came of it, was Ben Bishop was traded to the Buffalo Sabres in the offseason last year because we needed to get rid of his contract. Yep. They needed to hit the cap floor. Hmm. I look at a guy like Ben or Sagan and say, hey, Anaheim, they're not going to hit the cap floor again next year probably. Give or take, unless they get crazy in the offseason, which is, is is highly probable. But we're going to trade you. We we need you to take this trade. Sagan, you just don't have it anymore. We need you to go to Anaheim. You're you're going to do great there. You love the sun. You love to show off your abs. Go go to the beach. And that's that's the only way in my mind I can see either one of those guys moving. Ben, it's not going to happen. He's the captain. I, I, I as much as we may not care for it, he's going to be the captain next season. Yeah. Sagan though nine point or excuse me nine point eight five million. If we can convince him to go, that's a guy you can realistically, af- literally afford to lose. Then you just have nine point eight million dollars, yeah, assuming I, that I, they take it all. But you, that, that takes you know the bishop thing was such an outlier. Yeah, I yeah. mean that, that situation was so random and uncommon and genuinely unfortunate. Not fake yeah. unfortunate, really mm-hmm. unfortunate. Right, right, and. You know what are the odds that that Sagan situation is going to work out the way the Bishop thing did? Because you're right, they only took him on knowing that he wasn't going to take up a roster spot. Right. We just need five million dollars on the books so we can be at the whatever the minimum monopoly money. Yeah. 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 Right. And I, I, I can't. If they get rid of Sagan, I mean, it'll be a dump. But you're going to need you're going to need some moving parts there and you're going to need, you're going to need an assistant GM or an assistant coach who likes him, which he's a likable guy. That's not going to be, this is, he's not the same guy who left Boston. He's not, he's got a good reputation. He's a good, he plays 200 feet now. I mean, I've I've noticed that in the last four or five years. Yeah. And he goes, he goes to team breakfasts all the time. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, that's a good line. 
but he's not going to be a problem. No. So if you're going to take this guy and you're like, Always okay, you trust now. this guy. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine that? Sealed like, in stone, oh, yeah. Yeah. But still, like, I, don't know, I could go on a different tangent there. I, I just think you're going to need you're gonna need a lot of luck. To, and it's going to be a third party yeah. to eat some of that cash, maybe Arizona yeah. involved. Maybe you know. somebody, just somebody. And usually those things happen and nobody predicts it accurately. It just yeah. sort of happens out of thin yeah. air. And but they might, but I I just get this weird feeling. I I think he's gonna be back for another go. I'm not oh yeah. Nobody's told me that. I don't want to act like I'm smarter than I am. I'm not. I just get the feeling they like this guy. And yeah. the one thing I really missed covering when I when I when I was really young covering professional sports, the one thing I really, really missed was how much office politics um and someone liking you matters in getting yeah. a job it does it can be pro sports is all about oh wins and points and production uh it's also about does somebody like you just just are you doing somebody a favor it's not nepotism and uh you know there's and it can be very passive aggressive right These are all things that are just like were lost on me when i first started now, the more I've done it, I'm like, oh, my God, that's really they wouldn't even fucking tell him no, yeah. because the GM didn't want to be a bad guy. I'm not talking about Jim Mill, but I've heard stories like this. You're like, are you crazy? They're, they're paying the GM two million dollars and he won't even go fucking tell the guy to his face. No, because he doesn't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Why are you doing the job? Uh, you see it all over the country. I was going to say now that I we really want to be the bad guy. Yeah. Now that we have yeah. social media, there are so many stories of, yeah, my, my dad found out on Twitter and he sent me a text. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, what? And, and in fairness to that, because I remember I did that one time. I, I, I found out. <laughs> no, I did. I, the, I found out the team president called me and said, would you please not do this? And I said, I have to. I've got a job to do. <laughs> As I did, and he understood. Yeah. He wasn't mad at me. He said, we can't. They, the stars had traded Daryl Sutter. So, how do you pronounce his name? Oh, Daryl Sador. Sador. Yeah. I got the Sutter brothers confused. They had traded him. I found out. I, I, I'd written it. And um, and the, the, the president was like, can you please not write this? We haven't we haven't been able to tell him yet. And yeah. that does happen from time to time. You, they, sometimes, they, a lot of times, they, they're trying but word gets out, an agent, yeah. a friend, something, and it's not that that does happen. And I yeah. and you do you feel bad. You're like, oh man, I'm sorry. And I'm the guy's number, so I couldn't call him. And you're like, well, okay, he'll get over it. They're paying him four million dollars a year. You know, give me those problems. Yeah. And, but it those things happen. The ones that I just can't stand is here. You go tell him. Mm-hmm. And and that that happens more than you think. Yeah. Well. I, I personally want to say thank you for for sharing all the stories and the times yeah. the time with us. Hey, we um, could go for hours. Yeah, I was gonna say Brownie's got some lightning round questions. Oh, yeah. These oh, are very yeah. lighthearted. I want to hear those. Yeah. I do. I do have one more stars related question. Um, also, Ben Bishop going to be an employee of the Stars next season. He wasn't one this season. Wink, wink, because he was with the Sabers. But uh, as someone who has been around the Dallas sports scene now for twenty plus years, um, obviously following the Stars uh, pretty closely throughout that time. For me, this is probably, if I had to rank them, the third most exciting season in Stars history. Where does it rank for you? Because obviously we have the Stanley Cup run. We have the Stanley Cup win. We had another Stanley Cup run immediately after 1999 that we lost to, I believe, New Jersey. But where does this kind of stand for you overall in this season? 
You know, I have, uh, this was a great one. It really mm-hmm. was. You, you get to game six of the West Finals. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. The regular season was really good. You had a lot of individual great performances. And I know we kind of killed Jamie Ben. Jamie Ben had a really good year. Oh, yeah. He did. I mean, we, we, we you know, I wrote about this players. a couple of weeks ago. He really yeah, is. He's, <laughs> he, he's, he's everything you'd want. Like, if you were going to buy a jersey for your kid, you wouldn't worry about that jersey being, you're being embarrassed. Although, you know, he kind of did it, but at least he did it on the ice. Um, I, I, this is the bubble thing. You know, you don't want to say it doesn't count. They counted. They counted. It was a different was, situation. You're right. Yes. I mean, it we was all so, needed it too during that time. Yeah, totally. And I, but you know, yeah. it's funny. I think back about. Yeah, it was kind of. You know how much fun it was to watch. Like you could watch three games from twelve until ten. It's fantastic. And it's I not. We had anything else going on, so no, it was you, couldn't, yeah. you didn't feel guilty. Yeah. And you know, watching the NBA playoffs in the bubble and NFL games on Wednesday at five. Yeah. And that, I mean, it was, it was all in college games where it was a mess. Yeah. And you know, the one thing I loved about the college season is that it proved to every, every fan, what we all knew forever, which was you fucking liars. You do not need 10 years to schedule a game in advance. <laughs> you <laughs> could literally do it next week. Yep. And you don't because you're a bunch of cowards <laughs> and you're married to this flawed system because it pays you seven figures. Yep, and I think you know, for me, '99 was magic. Absolutely, uh, 2000 was amazing. You know, back to back. I, I think now I, I can appreciate just the enormity and how special it was. The Stars won back to back Game Seven in the Conference Finals mm-hmm. against the same franchise. Unbelievable! Yes, yeah. that we talk about things that might not ever happen again. I know we. Oh, it'll never happen again. We always say that, right? Oh, sun's never going to come up again. Well, yes, it will, you idiot. Yeah. All the averages. But <laughs> it was. It was magic. And you look back at all those names. And there's one of the things I loved about the 30 for 30 they did on the Detroit-Colorado rivalry. Oh, so got, good. They, oh, it was amazing. They got all those guys to talk. And I think about the Dallas series with Colorado, with Sackick and Neuendijk and Madonna with Belfort and Wah, at Forsberg, uh, and just uh, uh, Deadmarsh, Adam Foote. And it was just so much intensity. Mike Keane scoring two goals in the seventh game. Mike fucking Keane. Yeah, exactly. Of all people, yeah. Of all people, Bob Ganey, Ken Hitchcock, all these guys that were just bigger than life. And it mattered so much. And the ice was shit because they didn't know how to make the ice properly (laughs) back then. So they brought in all these air conditioners to to, to try to get the humidity out of the uh, reunion arena. And it was just slop and it was awesome. That was magic. You know, watching, I'll never forget when Dallas forced game six uh, against Jersey and they played the marathon overtime game in New Jersey. And Mike Madonna redirects a bread hole point shot past Brodeur and they're going bananas and they get it to game six. Or fuck, even my favorite was after game one in Jersey, Ed Belfort gives up like 800 goals on three shots. He's terrible. And then the dumbass comes out in the locker room and says, yeah, I took cough syrup. Oh, like, oh, the NyQuil game. Yeah. That's what it was, Nike. And Something NyQuil. like that, yeah. I think it, it was, was, was yeah. yeah, he said he took NyQuil. Yeah. Uh, his cough syrup. And we're yeah. sitting around his locker. And I was too young to know. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. And <laughs> I hope right, you feel I'm better. Like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, you poor guy. Instead, I'm like, and this is before I was I was too dumb to know. I'm like, you dumbass. You just yeah. have an excuse. You got embarrassed. Like, yeah, it was the classic dog ate my homework. 
So that was awesome. But the one, and I'm biased because it's still one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen by a player. I, I, I still I still marvel at it. Dallas played Vancouver, San Jose, I think it was in the Western Conference Finals, or no, what semifinals. It was like a marathon overtime. Oh, six overtime game was a Brendan yeah. Morrow scored Brendan the Morrow. game winner. Yeah. It. I've never seen a forward overpower five other skaters <coughs> the way Morrow did that game. And it was every shift, every shift he came out and he was killing everybody. You could tell that was a player who was in the prime of his career, who was on it that night. Even Brendan didn't have the greatest hands. No, he wouldn't have been. He wasn't a shootout guy by any stretch of the imagination. But in that game, I've never seen a forward overpower defenseman. It didn't matter what line San Jose ran out against him. He just fucked all of them and they couldn't deal with him. Yeah. They had a new, Frank, what was, they have a nickname for that game, the Memorial, whatever. I don't know. To me, and I know the Stars didn't win the Stanley Cup that year. And this was amazing. This was a lot of fun. There were so many intense moments. Like that Doomba game was great. And I called for Marchman or somebody to go after him. And I got labeled all kinds of names. I'm like, well, <laughs> you've, you've, you've been, and then whenever the regu- whenever they see him in the regular season, that should be the first thing that somebody does. Absolutely. Right, right away. I Then that's I why have, I pray Domi's on this team next season. Because he, like a Wolverine. He's the one guy who would do it. Yeah. Maybe Jimmy Ben. Maybe Jimmy yeah. Ben. But I'm like, that motherfucker deserves it. Yep. And they're like, oh, it's a clean up mind. Well, he got so worked up, we lost him for a second. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, so, but the, to me, of all those different runs and moments that I look at, and, I, you know, Kimi Rancho will never get as much credit for that hat trick playoff right. game because it was, you know, in front of no fans. Right. Um, man, that moral game still blows me away. I, I, just, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I'm about. talking yep. about? Yeah. It, it just, there was such a, and even though I'm a member of the media and I'm you know, cynical and jaded and all that other stuff, the fan in me, even if you knew nothing about hockey, you would watch that guy. And you're like, oh, my God. Because, you know, hockey a lot of times is about, man, what, I noticed that guy. Yeah. Like, that guy's around it a lot. Yeah. He's not scoring, but he's around it. He's creating chances. He's, he's a positive. The puck's always in the other end. It's where it should be, not in front of your goalie. And that night he was spectacular. That's the will yeah. over skill argument right there. Absolutely. And it was yeah. ultimately, it's why you loved him and it, why he it was, why his game wasn't going to age well. Cause it just it hits, you know, take the toll. It builds up over time. Yeah, it does. And, I, that, and that was the knock and the fear on Jamie Ben, but you know, beat back father time and all that was 78 points this year, but that's the one, you know, that's the one I still look back at. Cause I covered as a beat writer that Anaheim series when Jimmy you were in was it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, but man, I, I, that moral thing always blew me away. I'd never, yeah, it was a great awesome. game. And it was so intense. So when I sit there and think about it, that's the one for me that means, and I, and I knew him and he's a great guy. And it's not like we're drinking buddies, but you, know, you get to know some of these guys a little bit and you like them. And that's the one I'm like, motherfucker, that's a man. That's the and one. That's the one. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. One. That's awesome. well, I appreciate and uh, all of the the stars answers. I I know a lot of people are going to well, really enjoy this, but it's, no, it's uh, awesome. I know. We, we don't talk oh, about great. The stars enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though I, yeah, not for lack of effort. But anyway, uh, Thanks, oh yeah, let lightning. me hit you with these the lightning round. All right, okay. Uh, favorite cartoon character. 
uh, Daffy Duck. Outside of Dallas, favorite and least favorite NHL rinks to visit? Well, we could say cities, maybe not rinks. Uh, no, go with rinks. Because right. I'm a big sports venue bucket guy. Oh, that's right. Like your yeah, the book about Texas Stadium, right? Yeah. Um, Edmonton on a Saturday night is awesome. Nice. Now, I didn't get to. I was going to the old place, the one with the, the old the old place on the on the outskirts of town. That's where I went. I think it was called. I don't know what the name of it was. It was a dump. I, mean, I love those places because the, the ceilings were low. And they had limited number of suites. And man, when they when the when the Oilers were good, or they had a good night, or they pulled an upset, or whatever else, that play you could feel sound. Yeah. Um, Vancouver, not as much. Montreal is neat. Um, the Saddle Dome is cool because where they would put you. And I'm naming all these Canadian uh, Joe Lewis Arena with Joe Rat Hole, like literally rats. <laughs> they would still be. You would see they're watching like. Watching the game and a bucket of be a bunch of rats smoking cigarettes, you know, <laughs> watching hockey. That's how bad that building was. Um, you know, all the new the San Jose one was cool. The Shark yeah, Tank was neat. Tank. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I've, I haven't had a chance to visit the new one in Detroit, but uh, people have asked me if I'm a hockey fan, where should I go? I, you know, Edmonton on a Saturday night, brother, that's hard to beat. That mm-hmm. that one's that one's pretty good. Yeah. If you get a chance, and I don't know if you guys get a chance, because uh, it, it's it's so far, it's just so fucking far away. Mm-hmm. But Edmonton and a playoff game, I highly recommend it. That's pretty neat. Uh, your go-to pizza topping? <laughs> does does extra cheese count? That counts absolutely. No, I probably no. That's weak. Um, <laughs> no, it is. It's like I sound like a three-year-old. Can I have cheese pizza? Uh, probably sausage. Okay. Regular uh, so for the rest of your life, whenever you walk into any room, what's your entrance music? That's a good one. I like the. Uh, you can see the the. I know clock, the clock is ticking. All You're these, going all these shitty eighties hair bands. <laughs> uh, hey, that good. It's good. I, I, you know, you know how the, you know how sometimes you listen to a song. Let's say if it's Monday and you find that song and it's new and you listen to it so much. That by the time you turn it on Tuesday morning, you're already sick of it. Yeah. Now there's very few songs that you you can't outplay it, that you still love it. Um, Thunder. If I had an entry song, probably Thunderstruck. Awesome. By ACDC. Classic. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, I was going to say Welcome to the Jungle. The problem is that Welcome to the Jungle it takes such a dramatic dive after yeah. the intro. Now the intro is amazing. But Thunderstruck, that's a long one. And it so goes that would allow way. me that would allow me a long time. Yeah, you can walk in. slow. Yeah. You can do the Corey, the Corey Perry walk. Yeah. Uh what's your, what's a skill you don't possess, but you would love to have? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, there's yeah, so we're, getting, we're, we're getting deep. Well, there's because there's so many. I'm so bad <laughs> at so many things. Um, I don't know. Most people would say writing. Ah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Here's one. I I like to play basketball. As you can see, I'm wearing I went I did my undergrad at Kansas. Nice. I grew up in Indiana. Uh, I'm 49. I played basketball, a lot of 20 year olds, and I take a lot of pride <laughs> that I can run with them. Yeah. Yep. And I'm I've been out there playing for like 15 years. And I still suck. <laughs> 
I did. It's it amazing t- how bad I am. It takes a lot to admit that. No, no, it's nothing. I'm, I'm luckily at that age in my life where I'm like, yeah, I'm awful. Yeah. And it's, it's no, and I'll sit here and be like, if I had to assess my, someone said, give me a scouting report on yourself. I'm like, you would totally want me on your team. You would. And the thing I would drive you crazy, like, oh my God, he's wide open under the rim. Everybody else, all nine other players are on the other side of the court. And I would miss it. <laughs> I would. I'll get rebounds, dive for loose balls. I'm the epitome of the scrappy white guy. I'm like, that's I'm like so many parts of those 80 Celtics teams. But the, the difference is I suck. <laughs> and so when you're like, well, what, what, do you, what would you like to be really good? Like the other day I went out to show, I was practicing three pointers and I was like, okay, I'm going to make 10 three pointers. I'm going to go work out 10. I swear to God, I was there for like a fucking week. <laughs> they were like closing the building down and I couldn't make 10. I, I I'm like, how am I? There? And, I've, I, and they were, I was watching this interview. Joel Embiid did it. Like, how did you become a good three, three point shooter? He's like, I watched Instagram reels of white guys shooting three pointers. I did that <laughs> and I still missed. And Joel Embiid went to Kansas and it didn't work out. So I, that's that's the one. There's there's a million other ones, but that's just off the top of my head. That's, uh, yeah, that's I a wish good I was one. a little bit better. Uh, what's your best worst interview slash athlete interaction? We had a we had a reporter on not too a while back, and he told a story about an old time Bruins player who had him up against the wall about something. Ooh, nobody wrong. ever did that to me. Nobody. Okay. Ever did. I remember one time. Do you remember the, the goalie Ron Tugnut? Oh yeah, yeah. He, he Ron, one night made like sixty five saves yeah, against the yeah, Bruins. Yep, yep, ridiculous. Yeah, he was with Pittsburgh, and he went. Yeah, he had a couple of runs, and he was in Columbus for a little while. Nicest guy ever. So there was a. Uh, I was covering the team, and got I think back about when I was younger, just how bad I was. And you could probably make an argument that I was pretty bad yesterday too. But back then I was <laughs> so young and covering hockey when you're young is great because the people are so patient and they're so nice. And, you know, I, I talked to guys too long and, you know, I was just, I was just young anyways. So Ron Tugnut, Marty Turco was in the midst of a great year and then he sprains his ankle. And Marty was the nicest guy, is the nicest guy ever, just yep. a terrific guy. Yeah, thank you. So, yep. Yeah, he's great. So then Tugnut is the backup, and he's bad that night. Bad. And I think he'd had, like, a bad few games. And so this is one thing I didn't know. Um, players will sit there and lie to you and say, yeah, we don't read it. We don't read it, and we don't watch it. I'm relying all of them. Oh, I because think we lost reading that is get my back yeah no, you're back. back go ahead okay, okay. so when I, one lesson i learned was if if a um, a player tells you we don't read we don't read what you all write or we don't read we don't watch it they're all lying all of them <laughs> and, and anybody would it's a human nature thing like you right. want to know what people are saying about yeah you. all of them do it all of them because i would hear stories remember i would hear stories ken griffin when he was at the reds would sit in the locker room, the clubhouse, and just scroll stories about himself because guys will kill him. And and it's it, that's that's not uncommon. Mm-hmm. They're human. A lot of them are terribly, deeply insecure and afraid because they're human beings. Yeah. So I'm covering Tugnut, and he's a great guy. He's a really nice guy, and he had a bad couple games. And whatever I wrote wasn't even that critical. So he he sits me down. Remember, I'm young, and I'm a little scared. And he says. I don't have a problem with you telling writing that I was horse shit. 
And he said, why don't you write in there that everybody else in front of me was horseshit? <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I hope, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. And he was right. Yeah. He was right. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times with, with hockey, especially young people like that, we got so focused in on the goalie, we missed the fact the defenseman was half asleep yeah. or the forwards are just fucking or bad change or whatever. Yeah. Any of it, any of it. And they've left this guy hung out to dry. Now, sometimes he was bad. Like, right. Dude, what are you, how are you letting that in? Yeah. And then other times like, uh, what are you doing? Mm. Cause you're not playing hockey. Yeah. Um, I, so, and he was nice about it. I, I, he wasn't mean about it. I remember this. There's one story. Uh, Juan, remember Juan Gonzalez? Juan uh, Gonzalez. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God, American yes. League MVP. Yeah, the, so, I was gonna say baseball player. Yeah. Mullet slash Jerry curl hairstyle. The rain. Oh shoot! Am I here? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, had traded Juan, and to Detroit. He's there for a few years, and then they bring him back in 2002, when he's basically done. So he hurts his hand early in the season. And somebody calls me and says, I think he hurt it when he took his helmet and he slammed it into the helmet rack. Okay, seems legitimate. So I go up to Juan, quite sheepishly, I might add, it's happened. <laughs> Snaps at me. <laughs> Don't ever talk to me again. Today or... Ever? Yeah. Or? Uh, are we talking? Yeah, are we like the next couple of hours, because I'm down. Yeah. So, the PR guy comes out. He's a Bostonian, just coincidentally. Comes. He says, "Mac, what did you say to him?" I said, "I just said this." So, Juan was on the disabled list. So, disabled list guys typically don't talk to the media. Right. Juan was kind of a peculiar cat. So I'm like, I'm. I'm nervous. I'm like, oh no. And he made a scene. And he's in the corner of the club. And I'm like, Ugh. and uh, so he made a scene. And I'm like, this guy's never going to talk to me again. So I'm worried about this. Yeah. But then, as uh, then he comes off the disabled list. And I think he plays like a week. And then he hurts his back. And at that time, he had not talked to me because he hadn't done anything. And this is when our staffs were much bigger and somebody else knew him much better than I did or I worked with. He talked to him. But now he gets put on the disabled list. Then Major League Baseball used to have a 60-day disabled list. Yeah. So he hurts his back. And normally, if you're on the 60-day, you're out for the year. And by that point, it's middle. It's the end of May. The season going to the tank. The Rangers are terrible. It was A-Rod's second year. The team was bad. And uh, so they put him on the 60-day DL. And I'm like – Oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't have to talk to him. <laughs> so then there was that one. And the other one that I had was, uh, I don't think I've ever shared this story. Well, that's why we're here. The, Exclusive. Not, I mean, I'm, I'm overselling it without that lead <laughs> So uh, I was covering the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys had a defensive back who was a great talker. But he was an asshole. And, but he was a great talker. And if you could get through and deal with that part, he was great. You yeah. just had to deal with how crusty he could be and kind of condescending. But he was a great talker. His name was Orlando Scandrick. And Orlando was oh, a guy like Yeah, him. yeah. Orlando. So Orlando Unfortunately, was, was, yeah. Yeah, but he was, he was an okay player. But he carried this chip on his shoulder and he could be kind of a dick. And so 
he came up to me at one time and this is like 10 seconds and I'm not talking 10 locker room is packed media members. And I get a text message that is horrible news. I'm not, I, I can't get into what it was, yeah. but I mean, it was terrible news. And then he starts yelling at me from across the locker room, calling me out. And I am not in the mood. Like I, I'm looking at my phone and I'm reading this just devastating message. Yeah. And then he's yelling at me about something that I allegedly said or didn't say or whatever else. And I start yelling back at him. That's how, you know, the, you know, you get older and there's like, I can't believe I did that. Or yeah. That was kind of an out of body experience for me because <laughs> it was so out of character for me to sit there. But I just, it wouldn't have mattered. It could have been the King of England. It could have been the president. It could have been Jesus Christ. I was not in that place to be pushed in that moment for right. any reason. I mean, anybody, if I had told you, what, what did you just read? You'd be like, oh yeah. Okay. I yeah. I mean, it was just overwhelming stress yeah. and yeah. sadness. And so Happens. he's, it does. It does. Especially now with text messages, right. you can find out your whole life in real time. So I snapped out. I'm like, I'm not dealing with this bullshit or whatever it is. <laughs> I said, and I was, I was high. Yeah. And I stormed out. And then I ended up having a confrontation with somebody about it later. And Orlando didn't care. He just mouthed right. off. He was trying to embarrass me. And what I, what I came, which what I come to learn is locker room is all about alpha male, trying to intimidate people. And you do have to, I learned a cover on Bill. You have to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And um, if you do it, because I had those moments. I remember one time Bill Parcells, I love this. I was covering Bill and I was asking a question. This was Tony Romo's first year as a starting quarterback. Remember that first year he came off the bench and they took the world by storm. Oh my yep. God, Tony's amazing. So the Cowboys had a first round draft pick named Bobby Carpenter. And Bobby wasn't playing a lot. Because we were figuring out maybe Bill didn't like him. So I, he would sometimes he'd start, sometimes he didn't. So I asked the question, uh, is Bobby going to start this week? And Bill looks at me and says, yeah, it really doesn't matter who starts. You know, you guys make, you guys, you know, they all say you guys, which is that, you know, sort of giant yeah. blanket for the yeah. members, right? And Bill says, you guys make a big deal. It doesn't matter who starts. And I said, yeah, you mean like Romo? He says, yeah, like <laughs> Romo. Yeah, it was a good line. And I couldn't believe I said it. That was like, I, I cannot believe it. Like, who said that? Oh, yeah. Right? Exactly like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was one. And there was another one that was fun. Uh, Terrell Owens was with the team. And I yep. hated covering Terrell because he was paying the ass. And no way. Just, yeah, he was just trying to point. So the, the deal was, I've, I've talked way too long. But no. the deal was, so Bill Parcells would give you a half an hour on the dot. The guy had the most amazing clock in his head. He would give you 30 minutes, not an hour, half an hour on the dot. Sits down at 10. You better at 10 because he's starting at 10. Right to 10.30. Bye. And then he would walk off with some of the writers and take some of the questions and walk down the hallway and was gone. So then he would talk on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then 10 minutes on Friday. So on Monday, he talks. And I think the Cowboys might have been in a bit of a downside. I remember. Yeah. And then Wednesday, Terrell Owens talks. And Terrell, Terrell would say every combination of words in the English language. <laughs> and so he says, I don't listen to what he says, to, talking about Bill Parcells. I don't listen to what he says. 
um, I, I don't pay attention to it. Something to that effect. So I'm like, oh, crap. So then on Thursday, we go talk to Bill. Nobody asks him about Terrell Owens' <laughs> comment. And I'm like, and I'm banking on, banking on this young female reporter asking it. Because if she asks it, in my mind, Bill won't jump her case. And then you get the follow-up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Then, then we, we all win, right? Yeah. And the one thing that I've really prided myself on is that I'll ask anything. Now I have fucked up so many questions. I finally got better at it, but I will ask anything. I'm like, me up. I won't make it be fine, but I'll ask anything. I'll be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the soil. I'll do it. At least that's my little, that's what I tell myself. Yeah. So nobody asks Bill Parcells about his star wide receiver, whom he does not like. He won't even call him by his name. He doesn't like him. He just, he didn't, he didn't want him. He didn't like him. He's just dealing with him. So, Nobody asks on Thursday, hey, Bill, what do you think about your star wide receiver saying he doesn't listen to you? I'm like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. So on Friday, which is the 10-minute session, and you never knew with Bill, you might, especially on Friday, because it's two hours away from, two, two days away from game day, might be kind of prickly. And he and I said, uh, Bill, and you can find the clip on YouTube. It's funny. And you can kind of hear me in the background. I said, uh, Bill, uh, coach, blah, 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 Terrell. And I was, you could tell I was nervous about saying it. And he said, and he's giving me this long face. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is not good. And he says, you know, he hears everything I say and he sucks you guys. So he said, so consider yourself sucked. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's just, that I was gold. Yeah, and I kind of laughed. And the whole room kind of laughs. And he's God. This is an important time of the year, getting ramped up the playoffs because he was now he was irritated. He yeah. was kind of laughing at first that, 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 that he said, you know, consider yourself sex. I don't think he thought he was going to say that. And then he was irritated. Like, I, don't, I don't like talking about this guy. Yeah. And then it kind of ended. But you can, that's, that's hilarious. That's probably about that. Now you say that, that's probably the one that I, Oh, that's great. I've milked most of the stories out of. I'm sure I've had other ones, but <laughs> I just got yeah, two, that's a good two, one. Two more for you, quick ones. Okay. Uh pancakes or waffles? Yes. Oh, good answer. <laughs> that's the best answer we've ever gotten. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one, you've not talked about a lot of these people. Now I'm not asking you to call anybody. Most famous person in your phone. Uh that you feel comfortable sharing. No, it's fine. Um probably share. No, it's it's a weird because I've asked I've asked I, I I had this I did this at a I was at a dinner party whatever the other night and someone was telling a story about somebody famous that they had dinner with just sort of coincidentally yeah and I I went around the room and I said oh this is a good one who's the most famous person that you've had a chance to really you know talk to and spend a little bit of time with and for me it's different because guys more often than not they don't care who I am. Yeah. I'm just a media outlet. But like I could be, it doesn't matter. And you know, it's transactional. It's 15 minutes. They're promoting their product, and thank, okay, thanks a lot. Good luck. And and in, especially in the entertainment world, mm -hmm. um, I have Vince Gill's phone number. That's a good one. There you go. Uh, but I would now would I call it? So I'll give you an example. Like you know the uh, the documentary filmmaker Ken Burns. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, I have a buddy whose brother works with him. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, because he's up in the Northeast. He lives yeah. in Vermont or New Hampshire? Uh, Vermont now. It used to be Vermont. New Hampshire, I believe. Okay, yeah. so I interviewed him. He was doing a documentary 
And if you haven't seen it, you should see it on Muhammad Ali. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it's really good. It's really, really good. So I reach out to PBS. And what I've decided as I've gotten older in my career is like, if there's somebody interesting I want to try to interview, I'm going to see if I can get them. Right. So whomever, sports, politics, entertainment, whatever else, maybe I'll get lucky. And uh, so Ken Burns has been on the list. He calls me from his cell phone. And now more than ever, caller ID, he doesn't yeah. block his number. Uh, it's happened more and more. And Ken Burns' number comes up. I'm like, oh, great. Ken Bur- I've got Ken Burns' number. And what I've really learned is you do not use those numbers unless you need it. Right. Because you just don't. Um, so I started a podcast 12, 14, 16 months ago. It was a great interview. He was a delightful man. He was wonderful. And it was great. Um, and I've had a few of those. And I'm like, so I started a podcast. I'm like, I'll, I'll go through my phone and see what I can get. All right. All right. Uh, like I got the author, Sebastian Younger. He wrote The Perfect Storm. Yep. Uh, he's terrific guys, fascinating interview, a, a handful of guys. So I thought I'll try Ken Burns because when I was when this this company was thinking about hiring me, they're like, "You can get Ken Burns," and I'm like, "Just because I have his number doesn't mean I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean anything." So, and I'm very mindful because I used to do radio for a little bit, and when people ask me to come on, I, I, everybody needs help and needs content, and so I'm very mindful and flattered. You guys asked me anybody. Right? That was awesome. So, well, thank you. And so I, so I, I, I texted Ken Burns. I figured, you know, this guy's a PBS guy. If anybody understands the whole, you know, small guy trying to make a way of it, it would be Ken Burns. Especially a right. documentary filmmaker as well. Hands down. And, and yeah. who's made a career in, in PBS, who really, who lives the mission. I'll give it a try. Next day, I get an email from PBS that says, do not contact Mr. Burns directly. Oh. Go through us. <laughs> I didn't take it personally. Yeah. I was like, I totally get it. He's very busy. Uh, Ken Burns, Bob Costas will be on. I, oh, know, this is, I love this. This is one. This is, gives me a chance to talk about myself. So when I was a kid growing up, Bob Costas was my professional hero. He really yeah. was. I, I, yep. I just thought he was just the best. So he was doing his HBO show a couple of years ago. And I reached out to HBO. I said, hey, could I talk to him? They said, yeah, sure. So we talked for 20 minutes. He was great. It, just, it meant so much to me personally. And I just, I ran, I ran the interview just as a Q&A. And, you know, one very valuable lesson I learned is that when you, before you interview somebody, if, you, if you're sincere and genuine, you thank them and you're nice and you're kind and you tell them how much you respect their work, they're going to be nicer. Right. They are. It's human nature. And, um, so I'm Vancom's great. The article runs. I'm I'm in I'm in Montana and I get a I get no I have no cell service. None for like a week. It's great. So I come back in, I, I see I've got a message from area code 314. I'm like, I'm like, that's probably my sister-in-law. And then I'm sitting there and uh, I, I listen to the message. My wife and daughter are sitting across from me. I listen to the message and it's Bob Costas, and he has read it, and he's thanking me. And I, even you know, I mean, I'm, I'm nobody, and for him to have read it, and it was a nice thing. He, I mean, it, that meant so much to me as a as a guy. And I've got the number; I haven't used it, but the one that I look back on, and he's no longer with us, is probably. Do you remember Ken Starr? Does that from name the, mean anything to you? Uh, for he, the investigative, right? Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was him. So I, he Clinton, was the right? one who went after, right? Yeah. He. So I got to know him. 
He, he eventually became the uh, Baylor University president. But I knew him when I was a kid as the guy who went after Clinton for the Lewinsky yeah. scandal and for Whitewater. Right. Uh, Whitewater, that's why I couldn't think of it. Yeah, and this is an exceptionally bright man. Exceptionally bright, very savvy, very media savvy. And um, I got to know him. And That's great. We spent some time together, and not everybody liked him, but you see, sometimes not all the time, you do get to see people what they're like off camera or when they're away from a microphone, and what he was really like. And, and he was a politician to the core. If you get to be solicitor general, you're a politician, and if you get to be that, he, you know, he was one step away from being the pick for the Supreme Court justice. And Bush Senior didn't go with him; he went with David Souter. And that that changed the country because David right. Souter turned out to be very much a liberal. Um, and Ken Starr would never have done that. But I got to know him and I, I was really sad when he died because he was one of those people that we always talked about getting together and we just never did it. And then one morning I wake up and I find out he had cancer in the past. But right. so when you sit there and this is a chance to sit here and say, well, look, I know famous people. Um, <laughs> they, they probably claim they don't know me, but probably those. I would those probably are, that's say, awesome. Yeah, the Ken Starr one, that was kind of surreal because I remember one time I was interviewing him in a public forum and he knew who I was and that that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I, no, it did. And I, I was prepared. I did a job. And it was professional. But that was, I'm like, oh my God, this guy knows who I am. And uh, that, was, uh, that, was, that, was a, that was a good life experience. It's, it's amazing how you handle this. I got to, so as a Bruins fan, I got to inter, interview Bobby Carpenter when I first joined the oh, morning yeah. skate. Exactly. And he was always my favorite player. And how was he? Oh, he was awesome. We, okay. we talked for like two and a half hours. It was unbelievable. Oh, and I, I just reached out to the Bruins alumni and they were like, who would you like? And I was like, well, my favorite player was Bobby Carpenter. She goes, well, expect a call. He calls me like within the day and I literally go, holy shit, it's Bobby fucking Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> and he just started laughing. But then, no, fast forward, he comes on the podcast. We've texted a few times about his daughter coming on. She's very accomplished in the women's game. And there was one night, we're at Beer League. It's called Beer League for a reason. Yeah. You're in the parking lot afterwards. They were starting up Summer League, and it's open levels. And he lives, like, within 10 minutes of the rink. I don't know why, but I thought it was a good idea to shoot him a text. If he was interested. And the guy, half the guys in the parking lot are like, yeah, Brownie, do it. And the other half are like, no. Yeah. I'm like, no, we had a good rapport. So I sent him, I sent him a text. No, it wasn't that late because it was like an eight o'clock game. So it wasn't That's that right. bad. But I sent him a text similar like to Ken Burns. And he, he texted me back. He was like, I really appreciate the offer, but I, I'm good. And I was like, oh, I was, hoping to, I was hoping to be your McSorley, you know, <laughs> And he was like, I really appreciate it. Yeah, he yeah, and you get, about it. Right. And, you know, like, I especially older guys like that, I've really seen this, and you've already noticed it. They really do like when somebody remembers them. Yeah. They, they do. They really appreciate it. Especially most of them do. Now, some of them just, they're not built for the public eye. Right. It makes them uncomfortable. But most of them, especially well, he knew you were a well-meaning guy. Yeah, and yeah, I I totally get that. You you didn't do anything wrong. Was it, was yeah, he actually gesture. sent me an autographed. I had an old autographed picture yeah. of him, and I mailed it to him, and he re-autographed it. Yeah, See, it's things like that. Yeah. And Such like, a stalker I, move. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, but as long as you recognize, you tried, it didn't work out. You yeah, got an argument, that's fine. And if he he's going to be nice, 
and that's cool. And as long as you don't, I totally understand that. I totally, <laughs> and it's weird. Like I, I look at, I don't know if you can tell in my room here, I've, I've got a bunch of junk, but yeah. one of the things that I've got, uh, let me see, let me get it. I want to share this. Hang on. All right. Is this the awkward moment where I say I have Wayne Gretzky's number in my phone? <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have the balls to call him. So, uh, God. so I was born in Cincinnati and, um, now, we moved when I was about four or five, but I grew up a big Reds fan. Mm-hmm. I was a huge Pete Rose fan. So when Pete was banned for, for life, and this is before I realized what a you know, dirtbag Pete Rose is. <laughs> uh, I was. It's just white trash. But so I was a big Pete Rose fan. And so when he was banned for life, I still vividly remember that. Like, oh, no, my yeah. hero's fallen. And like, yeah, your hero's a dirtbag. It gambles on, you know, Australian rules. Yeah. A kickball. <laughs> and, um, so I run into Pete one time in Vegas. It's like 96. It was 96. And uh, you, you really don't want to meet your heroes sometimes. Yeah. He's there and he looks like shit. And it's like nine o'clock. It's the MGM Grand. And I'm like, I've got, and I'm not really an autograph guy. I'm not. It just for, It's clutter. And I'm like, that's just me. Anyways, but this was different. So I'm like, I got to try. I'm like 22, 23. So I grab a parlay card at the MGM Grand. He's at the $25 table betting blackjack with a woman, his wife, and not a, no judgment. Yeah. And I said, Mr. Rose, huge fan, and I'm shaking. This is before <laughs> I, I was like, I was, I, I was in graduate school at the time, and I am shaking. I said, would you please sign this with me and everything? So he signs it, and he nods. Thank you so much. He nods and does it. So years later, I'm in a secondhand store and I find the Sports Illustrated where he admits oh my God. the oh, dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So I buy it. And this is the autograph. Oh, the parlay. Perfect. Oh, that's yeah. so great. <laughs> yeah. That is sick. So I totally. And this is the one like it's there's it's little weird things like this. This is the stuff that I yeah. Yeah. The ironic, you know, weirdo stuff. But that's I've got Yes, no one else in the world has that combo. Right, that's exactly right. You know what I mean? This is mine. This is yeah. Yeah. And sports geeks will appreciate the irony of it, and the fact that this was this was my favorite player, and now I recognize fully that he's a piece of crap, and he's no longer going to be in the (laughs) Hall of Fame because he couldn't stop going to the tables and betting on kickball. It's just even better that you ran into him, and it wasn't even a high end casino. That's what makes it even better. (laughs) It was. It was right when. It was right when the MGM opened. So it was, oh, okay. All right. Fair was, enough. I mean, I'm talking like first three or four months. Okay. You know how when the new hotels open, they're all ridiculously overpriced? Mm. Well, I'm in, I'm in graduate school. And here's the best part. You'll, you're a Bostonian. You'll like this. So I bet $50 for me at the time was like $5,000. And at the time, there's a Thursday night college football game on ESPN, which is kind of a novelty. And Boston College is playing Pitt. And BC is an overwhelming favorite. I'm like, Go BC. I go bet BC. Sure enough, Pitt beats them. And that was the year. Remember the the year that they got a scandal? The BC football team, some of the BC football team yeah. players got busted for gambling. Yeah. It was that team. Oh. Now they I don't think they got fixed for throwing games, but still I always like I was like, that's great. I put all of my money I, and I had no money back then <laughs> on a team that gets in trouble for betting on games. But the salvage it was, I got my Pete, Pete Rose program awesome. MGM. Yes, so that's it. 
I did not mean to make your podcast. No, dude, out. this is that's great. fine. This is great. <laughs> Ken's gonna be so mad. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for both of us. Fink, you're more than welcome. Uh, to thank you. So, no, I was flattered to do great, it. You know, look look for your columns, uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram. Just great. Your website. You want to uh, promote the website? Yeah, sure. I, I so I have a podcast called The Ingle Angle. I'll interview everybody from sports, politics, mostly sports, sports, politics. The last one I have was a really good one. I interviewed uh, Yogi Berra's granddaughter. Oh, uh, I saw Berra. that. I saw that. Was really good. that. Yeah, yeah. Good. She's uh, she's got a documentary out now about uh, an amazing man, her granddad, Yogi Berra. Uh, so you can find that on YouTube. That's Ingle Angle. Uh, you can find all of my stuff on my website, macangle.com, M-A-C-E-N-G-E-L.com. Uh, Twitter, I'm macangleprof, P-R-O-F. Uh, people make fun of me about that. The truth story is when I was trying to, when I, when I joined Twitter, like in 07, Mac Angle was already taken and I didn't wow. want to, I was like, and I just started teaching part-time. They call you professor. You which, have a, you have a high rating in your professor profile. I don't know if you ever looked that. at it. I know, I need to look back on that because somebody's like, oh yeah, he's hot. I'm like, I need to show my wife. That. She doesn't believe it. And uh, so that's why I nicknamed myself Mac Angle Prof. Perfect. And uh, I don't know, you probably, I'm sure there's a mug shot someplace. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's it. I, that, that's where you can find all my stuff and invest all of your time in. Well, thank you so much. This was yeah, fantastic. I was love fun. these ones where we don't know how, you know, we're on to talk about Jamie Ben, and then it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that was that. This has been a blast. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'm really jealous. Do you have a Waterburger jersey back there? Oh, I uh, I don't. I I guess this is my turn to plug. Uh, I have a podcast called Water Hockey. That's the that's yeah. So we've right. been I'll have to find it. That. Yeah, please do. We'll have okay. you on, and we'll go for another two hours someday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys very much. I'm gonna go make dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That's thank you. Good Sorry enough time. Yeah. Your daughter. Okay. Thanks no, very much. Thanks, Thanks a lot, fellas. All right. See you later. Signing off Thanks. for the morning skate. Thank you. <laughs>